Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is excited. Yes, I think that's the word I would use tonight. Now, after the venal shenanigans of last week, uh, it was nice to get back to the football on Saturday. Chelsea faced West Ham in a match that could prove pivotal to their top four hopes this season. And as Tuchel's Chelsea has proved recently... When it comes to the big matches, they are more than up to the task. It might not be pretty, but they do the job professionally. Uh, Now, to say they ground out a 1-0 win against West Ham might be a little bit unfair, but they did what they had to do, and West Ham had no answer. It was good to see Timo Werner finally get on the score sheet, the first time since February the 15th, 23 matches ago. Uh, Maybe we should be thankful for that, rather than focus on the awful misses later in the match. Uh, it kind of reminded me, I think I said so at the time actually, of uh, Fernando Torres's long-awaited goal, also against West Ham. Who who knows? Maybe Timo can do it again in the Champions League semi-final, just like Torres did. He'll get the chance uh, t- on Tuesday night against Real Madrid. There we go. Uh, the Chelsea fancast number 816, The Professionals. So there you go. I, I, whenever I say that word, JK, I have that brilliant music in my... They're using it for... Um, what is it? By, uh, it's it's a Morris. car advert. It, yeah, it was, uh, and it's Thingy Morrissey, isn't it, from uh, Men Behaving Badly doing That's the voice. Right. I got really pissed with him once. He's a really good bloke. There's a theme, isn't there? <laughs> They're already. Uh, JK, dear, my dear chum, JK, how the devil are you, sir? Uh, very, very, very devilish. Thank you. Getting the butterflies already for the game. Yeah, it's massive, oh, isn't it? Say. Yeah. Oh, I'm particularly now Hazard playing as well. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we're going yeah. to be talking all about that a lot later, obviously. Uh, will, who do we have? Whom do we have on the show tonight? Yeah, may I introduce them? Yes, that's your we job. Have the housewife's choice in <laughs> The great expert on goalkeepers and uh, general um, uh, knowledge of Chelsea, who when he speaks, I frequently go, oh, he said that. Oh, I've got it wrong. Um, Mr. Clayton Beerman himself, a delight. Hello. Good evening. How how lovely to be with you. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. We're we're delighted to have you on tonight, Clayton. Unexpected tonight, but uh, a real bonus for us. Lovely to see you as always. And who else do we have on the show, JK? Well, it's the man who we could, in fact, just plug in and then we can all go and have something to eat and let him get on with it. And let's do that. No, 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 don't, 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 don't. Who is it, JK? Great knowledge, knowledge of Chelsea FC and uh, uh, and all things uh, um, Chelsea. And it is Mr. Joe Tweed. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys. Yeah. Glad to be here. And uh, I would say a slightly different feeling this Monday than than last Monday. Yeah. God, it's amazing, isn't it? A week's a long time in football. And I mean, this time last week we were in somber mood and uh, I mean, we had a cracking show, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, (laughs) there are a lot of emails actually still on that subject, which we may endeavour to try and get through. We never know. But anyway, there you go. So at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan Kidd, the wonderful Clayton Beerman and the, uh, the wonderful, knowledgeable Mr. Joe Tweeds for your delectation tonight. Now, on the show uh, tonight, we are going to applaud a professional team performance to beat a tough West Ham side in the six-pointer, topped by a goal for Werner at long last. And uh, we're going to ask, has this improved our chances for a top-four finish? Uh, in part two, we look ahead to the massive Champions League semi-final first leg against Real Madrid tomorrow evening. Uh, we ask, what does it mean for us to play Real Madrid? 
and we look at the two other occasions Chelsea has played them. Uh, I'm delighted to say that at least 50% of the Chelsea fancast will remember it very well. Uh, so there we go. Um, we're also going to ask, you know, what we think about the fact that we're going to be playing certainly Courtois, boo hiss, and quite possibly Eden Hazard. Should we be worried? Uh, we look at the previous Champions League semi-finals that Chelsea have been in, and we ask who will Tuchel select and how do we see it going and uh, finally as i mentioned a minute ago we've got a very 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 full post uh, bag to get through with emails on the european super league catching up from last week uh, tommy tuchel and uh, an, an and animated children's tv programs from the past how could this have any relevance for chelsea i hear you all ask all will be revealed now as ever don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can also tweet at Chelsea fan, well, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, all the same on the old socials, at Chelsea fancast, anytime you like. Uh, we always love hearing from you. Now, after this very short break, we will be back. <laughs> So there you go. Um, it was really interesting, I thought, because on, on Friday night when we did the preview show, JK, um, I was perhaps the least optimistic, but that's not unusual. I, could, I tend to no, be... No, but you've been proven correct in the yeah, past. I, I, from, you were the Cassandra. You were, yeah. the, uh, you were the black spot, weren't you, of yes, all... Uh, black death. You were the Ben Gunn, obviously. Predictions. I, I, want the man the black I want cheese! I want cheese! So no, it was uh, it was uh, it was good to have you overruled in your um, yeah. in your negativity. I'd like to join issue with the prettiness of it. You said it's not pretty. I think it's very pretty. I think when they play out from the back um, uh, without um, two two touches and the ball it just gets to the midfield or gets to the wing or get it's it's um, glorious. There's some glorious football being played, and uh, and I am um, I'm still intrigued as to how on earth he got them to do it. Um, and I think it was it's drilling. I think yeah. well, am I giving my own answer to it? But it's drilling and learning the song, as he said so early on in his uh, press conferences. He re um, he really is from craft work, isn't he? He's not really a football manager. Basically, he's just teaching them craft work songs and taking their mind off the football. I think it's very likely they're all yes, they're all um, in some strange way. It's like the Ipcrest file. They're having. Um, <laughs> Strange pieces of uh, of taped of taped sounds played at them, and they're all being brainwashed. And they and he is saying, "You've an out pass the ball to the wing without looking." Everybody, <laughs> will there's always a this terrible feeling, of course, that in actual fact, this is this is the essence of Sarri ball, and he just happens to have got it right, as opposed to uh, um, Sarri never quite getting it right, which is everybody's in the right position and uh, plays for each other. But it was interesting listening to him today in the press conference when he was actually asked that question, "How have you done it?" And he just said it's it's um, energy daring. He kept mentioning daring, the daring to get your body in the courage, get your get your body in the way of the ball and press people. The pressing was unbelievably important. But you have to remember that they're all 
you know, I think keeps being, it's either when we lose, it's what a bunch of idiots we've got, which is now rare and rare, obviously. And when we win, it's what a fantastic squad we've got in depth. So they're all top professional players. It's just he's managed to make them, give them a kind of message that allows them to express themselves in that in that excellent way. Yeah. As I think we, we we felt at the weekend. I mean, I, I was once, once again um, uh, uh, bemused by whether, whether um, um, what Moyes actually said, you will put 10 behind the ball, or whether we forced them due, due to the speed of our passing to, to adopt that all the time. I mean, it was pretty obvious to me that, Yes, all right. They wanted to. They were going to have to defend, but I, I just felt it was a question of 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 when we were going to score, rather than if. Despite uh, us not having a great ratio of, of shots and success, just because uh, we seemed to actually, um, by the times we did get behind the, the uh, their fullback, it was creating lots of threat. I mean, it's it, it's it's, and I, also the ability they've got to. Uh, to play the game out over the last 20 minutes is um, is quite phenomenal. It's uh, there's a, a structure there of uh, discipline that is um, that he has just uh, imposed upon them, and they've they've taken to like ducks to water. Yeah, it was uh, it was um, once again. I'm still you know it's squeaky bum time for me all 20 minutes oh, of it. Um, yeah, but even with a man sent off, we're more of that later, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's it, it's uh, it, as he said, if he can. Uh, he said a lovely thing in the press conference about taking us up. Um, he was asked, could they go up to a higher level? And he said, maybe this is the level that you just have to maintain. And if you get up to a higher level, you maintain that level. But at the moment, this level is doing us is doing yeah. a lot of good. It certainly is. You know, I had a chat with uh, the uh, the legend that is Kerry Dixon right after the game. How interesting. And, uh, you know, he and I were having our usual kind of argument He's quite argumentative as Kerry. He stands his ground, and I know him really well. So I've got, and I, you know, having oh, yeah, we've done, we've done yeah. a London, a, yeah. a Friday night. Yeah, we? yeah, and, we, and we used to do the. He was, he was lovely but dogmatic. Wasn't yeah, he? you know, and I used to do that podcast with him. I have no qualms about disagreeing with him when I feel it is appropriate. And and he and he was quite intrigued as to what I thought of it all. And I said, well, I said I love it. I love shit housing. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I said this is the business end of the season, mate. It's all about winning. You know, performances can go 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 forth and multiply. For me, it's about the win. And I said we had to win that match yesterday. There was a lot of pressure, and they did. They turned up. They did what they had to do, and I love it. And and he kind of conceded that point. Um, Clayton. Um, I I think you know I have to say you know I I enjoyed. Well, I had a huge amount of joy when Werner scored. Um, he's had a really tough old season, hasn't he? Bless him. He doesn't ever you know hide and i and i i i mean the the for me the the you know the comparisons between him and torres to a degree you know i mean obviously we know that tom torres was crocked basically which is why he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo but i think there are there are comparisons to be made cuz torres always used to to work pretty hard i think and verner does that and it was a really really good goal he's a bit of an enigma our team verner but it was a good goal wasn't it yeah, no, I, I, he is very confusing. Uh, and uh, and the thing is that the other similarity with Torres, and, and Torres, as you say, was injured, but Torres would do something and you'd go, yeah, I, yes, you can still do it. Uh, but he didn't do it very often. Um, uh-huh. But you could you could see the quality. Um, Timo just confused, confuses the hell out of me, to be perfectly honest. I mean... He 
had two presentable chances before he scored and he doesn't seem to be able to hit the ball with his foot a lot of the time. It's either his shin or his ankle or what have you. Um, but his positioning is fantastic, etc. cetera. Um, really, really happy with the goal. It's a great goal and he took it really well. And then, of course, you're basking in the glory of Timo and then he did virtually what Torres did at Old Trafford after scoring a fantastic goal. You know, he didn't quite go around the goalkeeper, but how he missed that. And, and thankfully for him, Sky didn't, I think replayed it, replayed it once. Yeah, And then we didn't see it again. Well, luckily there was a game after, wasn't there? They didn't have any time. Yeah. To, yeah. And so he escaped uh, the, the ridicule that um, he probably would have got. You know, it's quite interesting because I, I sort of, all this thing about clean sheets and X numbers of one nils and X numbers of two nils. I think what, what Saturday did more than anything else was just sum up that if we had a striker, mm. we wouldn't be winning those games one nil. We'd be winning them two, three nil. We should have been two up at half time at least. Eight shots and by on the end goal. of it, we should yeah, yeah. We, we should have basically had four. Um, you know, it, it, you're quite right. It's it's 20 minutes of, of absolute hell when we're one nil up. But, but Saturday was quite interesting because I didn't actually think, I mean, you always think as any football fan, not just a Chelsea fan, that the opposition is going to score when you're 1-0 up with, you know, you're just waiting, aren't you? You're just waiting for that moment. But West Ham, no, I mean, they weren't at the races. And, and I, I just, a particular bugbear of mine is David Moyes. Um, and I know it's unfair to sort of compare our respective squads, and yes, he's done a fantastic job, et cetera, et cetera. But I think over the years, David Moyes just doesn't, doesn't ever go for it. He doesn't ever go for it. That, Saturday was a game they had to win, you know, and, the, and the, if they would have lost, which they did, it wouldn't have made any difference in the general scheme of things. They got a much easier run in than we have. And I think if they would have gone for it, you know, or tried for it, but he never does. I, I, I remember, I'll, I'll shut up after this, but I remember that we played Everton in a League Cup semi-final. And the home game, we basically, I think, Obi got sent off. And the, the game ended, uh, I think it was 1-0 to us. And then we played them up at Goodison. And he defended. He was 1-0 down and he defended and we lost. And I just, the, the guy has no ambition. So, you know, if you say, oh, uh, did we make them have 10 men behind the ball? No, that's how they play. They are so dull. They are so, so dull. If they haven't got Antonio playing to them, who is, who's a wonderfully underrated forward, I just think they're dull. Well, maybe that's why he didn't go for the win, Clayton, because they didn't have Antonio playing. So maybe. he's playing with maybe. two Jesse, You know, they've got Jesse Lingard. But, but if you think about it, with 20 minutes to go, he brought on um, Lanzini and um, the other one, the DX Brentford play, Ben Rama. Yeah. Two really skillful, good players. Yeah. So he's got the squad. He just doesn't want to use them. He'd much rather, you know, anyway, it's not a West Ham podcast. But yeah, I, I, you know, bottom line is that Timo confuses me. Yeah. Uh, next year, next season will be interesting. It will. I, I have faith in him. JK. To make a quick point before we speak to Joe, obviously, um, um, my, my worry about Timo is that uh, he, he does the most Sean Wright Phillipsian things, which is that 
for example, he got he got through, uh, and all he needed to do was to to shoot to to put himself on goal was to actually home home in on the goal, and his second touch he put Tucked it away. wider and took him away yeah. from the yeah. goal, yeah. and you just think. I have to say, my reaction was, for fuck's sake, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Fuck! Because uh, I don't get that aspect of him at all. But as a, as a, um, in terms of his overall involvement, as as Chad said the other day, it's like watching William um, in his in his uh, in the way he sets people up and his 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 movement. And uh, uh, not that I believe that particularly, but I he was trying to make an excuse for him. And I keep going on about this. He is there to score. And the people keep giving him this, always this, he will eventually score. They're letting him off. Just give him a few more days. Well, he scored once, but if he's going to be not putting the ball away like that, um, well, and as, as you say, if you had a striker who scored three or four, who scored regularly, and that was their job. I mean, I was looking at Woods yesterday from yeah. Burnley, yeah. thinking, bloody hell, the angles he gets the ball in for, what from, what would he be doing with us? I'm not suggesting he's 29 and he's going to be another, and, uh, and he, he, but he, the the energy of the guy, you think somebody like he's like a Lewandowski. Yeah. I've got you a, know. I've got a. Re- you're a genius because it segues perfectly into a question that uh, he's in. He's in Mixler tonight actually as well. Keep keep the blue flag flying high. Int North put a question out on on Discord, which I'm going to uh, ask Joe to have first first dibs on. But I'm going to read it all. That's quite a long one. He says. If you had played Tammy instead of Timo against West Ham, could he have scored a hat-trick? The goal Timo got was a classic striker's goal that I'm sure Tammy would have positioned himself for and tucked away. And there's no doubt he would have pounced and scored the rebound that Timo missed. Let's face it, even Kovacic in that position would have. I suppose my real question is, does Timo's work rate and build-up play deeper on the pitch justify his starting? where a more traditional number nine like Tammy would get involved less further down the pitch, but is extremely likely to put away double the chances of Timo. What do you think, Joe? Oof, that's a, uh, that's a very detailed question. That's why um, you got it, you see, because you have more brains <laughs> than us, you see. That's why. Um, I, I always think, certainly in this system, the way we play, I think that we quite often we miss an actual centre-forward down the middle of the pitch. Um whether Tammy would have scored against West Ham and, and all these sorts of questions is a little bit kind of moot, I suppose. But I, I certainly think in terms of, of having the, the presence of somebody like Tammy um, probably, I think, changes the way that we play a little bit. Um, I think in, in terms of Timo, I mean, you know, people will point to the fact that I think he's got pretty good numbers this season in terms of what he's actually done. But then I, I just think that it's so, so detached from the player that you actually watch on the pitch. And I think to the point here in terms of Timo's, you know, involvement in, in build-up play and all that sort of stuff, quite often I, I just think that his his first touch is, is so erratic that it makes it very difficult for people to play off of him. I mean, quite often, maybe the past couple of games, I've sort of noticed players will, will play into him, but maybe not make a, a run off the ball because they're possibly worried that he's going to lose possession straight away or they don't really know what sort of the the, the expected kind of, of, of I suppose, well. outcome is. Yeah, in terms of him, you know, sort of taking the ball. So... Yeah, um, I do. I mean, I, I'm certainly one one of the people that thinks Tammy should have been playing a lot more often. Um, and it's not so much an, an academy bias, which it quite often is with me. But I, I just think that certainly, you know, one of our biggest issues is the fact that we we cannot score. And, you know, we, we create a, a very, very small number of chances in relation to the amount of ball that we have. And I think those chances are often not particularly great. Um, so the fact that we've, we've kept our top goal scorer on the bench for like almost like a two-month period, 
is I, I think still something that I find a little bit peculiar. And, you know, even with sort of Tuchel's explanation, I, I do find that he maybe ventures a little bit into the, the sort of the waffling realm and trying to sort of, you know, kind of uh, make excuses for the fact that he's not playing or he's not on the bench. And when you see sort of two left backs being picked consistently over a centre forward, when it's sort of the goal scoring part is, is the tricky part. Um, I do find that a little bit curious at times, but yeah, I mean, I think Tammy, for, for me, I would like to see him be, be given a bit more of an opportunity towards the end of the season. Um, you know, I think Werner has quite largely, and I'm not entirely sure why, for some of the performances that he's had where he's not played particularly well, he, he's almost sort of a default starter, which I've you know, not seen necessarily afforded to somebody who, who isn't, in my opinion, playing um, you know, that well, where he's not like a Mason Mount or a Rudiger who are playing exceptionally well at the moment. But he just seems to sort of be picked because you know, we're trying to play him into form or play him into some sort of um, you know, kind of goal scoring sharpness or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't personally, again, it, you know, this is purely a personal opinion. I don't think that his overall game, um, certainly in terms of build up and linking a play and things like that, is is a, of a level where I'm looking at him thinking, you know, I'd rather have that in the team than somebody up top who can score goals. Um, you know, and I, I just I keep going back to the point that it's the it's the finishing, it's the goal scoring that I think is the is the area of weakness in the team at the moment. Yeah. When you're playing really compact, when you're playing with a, a really, really well-defined, you know, back three slash back five, you've got two very, very deep sitting midfielders. Those chances, and, and I'm talking about good quality chances, a few and far between in games. I'd rather have somebody up there who is a centre forward who has the capability of scoring than maybe a, a left winger who is a little bit erratic in build-up. Even in the goal that he scored, which I think he actually took well, you know, the, the first touch that he, he took with the ball came into him, you know, it flew a metre over his shoulder. And I'm pretty, pretty certain that wasn't intentional for him to sort of turn like that. He looked like he was trying to sort of drag and, and turn the ball on the ground. So you know, for people to sort of suggest that this is some sort of benefit to the team, I don't really know. I mean, obviously, Tuchel likes him for a reason. I think he works particularly hard. You know, his pace is an asset. Um, but I always come back to the question that the, the number of teams that Chelsea play, who play with, you know, play a defend against us with a high line, is what five percent, ten percent of the teams you play this season. So I often wonder, where, you know, when, when are you using that pace? Um, you know, we had a few little counters. We, we saw the goal, and, and, and yes, you know, he did well there in terms of taking the finish. Um, but you know, every five games, we might see that that pace become an asset for us. So I would personally rather rather have a centre forward there and, and maybe sacrifice Timo, maybe play Pulisic there, maybe play Hudson uh, Odoi, have it, whoever it might be, just to get a little bit more quality on the ball. Um, but it, it comes down to what you want ultimately. As I said, I, I would prefer goal scoring rather than maybe which you know the build up, which I don't see as being a strength. Yeah, no um, argument there, Joe. I've got to say, I mean, you know, I think all of us prefer to have a. I mean, we're all old, so I, I kind of you know a number nine, <laughs> a number nine for me is it does yeah. exactly what it says on the Uncle tin. Bloke puts it in the neck. Aye, lad, me. puts it into onion bag. But I, absolutely. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't. I mean, look. Basically, I don't think that Tuchel fancies. Tammy Abraham like he doesn't yeah. fancy Gilmore and you know whether we like it or not he's the manager and he's entitled to his opinion I don't happen to agree with it but I'm not the one getting paid the big bucks to make the decisions I'm just going to land you with this and I'm going to talk to Clayton because he's got his hand up but this is fascinating my mate um, Paul Carter who's uh, on on uh, Twitter is at Stamford underscore bridge he does a brilliant website uh, about the history of Chelsea he's dug up this as uh, I found this on the discord group so thank you for whoever who, whoever put it up there this is Chelsea's lowest leading league goal scorers, if you, if you see what I mean, in history. Uh, with five goals, that's the lowest in a season. Andy Wilson, which is a wonderfully modern name, considering it was 1923-4 season. 
Uh, JK will remember that well, of course. And we were relegated. Um, next is six, Jimmy Windridge in the 1909-1910 season. And again, we were relegated. Then. Windy, we called him. You too. called him Windy. No, did you? I, yeah. Uh, in in uh, the number seven, seven goals rather, seven goals. Ian Hutchinson, the dear old Hutch, in 1974-75, and we were relegated. And then Roy Bentley scored eight goals in the 1950-51 season, and we finished twentieth out of twenty-two. Now, currently, we've got four players leading. On six goals each, with just five games to go, and that's Werner, Mount, Abraham, and Jorginho. So it's pretty poor, Clayton. But uh, by all means, tell me what you wanted to say, anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is not a, a sort of a bashing of Timo, but but one thing that I, I think I might mention it on here before, which I, I find extraordinary, is that he will not go into any physical challenge. Yes. If you ever see him, if there's ever a chance of getting a loose ball or there's a tackle, he just won't do it. He Back just off. will not do it. And I, I find that infuriating. I really do. Now, obviously, you're not looking for uh, your forward to be the best tackler in the team, but you do want them to actually let the defender know they're there. And he doesn't do that. I, I mean, I, I don't know... I mean. If we had an out-and-out goal scorer in the team, would you still play Werner? Probably. Um, I mean, you just look back to, say, Newcastle away. But that fantastic breakaway uh, for, T- for Tammy's winner. You know, and when he did, does play with Tammy, there, there, there was some chemistry between them. But as you say, uh, Tommy Tuchel obviously doesn't well, fancy it, Tammy. I think it's also a system thing too, Clayton. I, I think T- Thomas Tuchel... You know, knows, thinks, and has proved that three four two one is the system that works best for the players that he's got. And in a three four two one, what happens is it it really does limit his choices in terms of who he wants up front. You know, that's that's the issue as well. I think, I think I think it's fascinating. It really is. And you know, our grumble about it all. So I mean, here's just just going back to the stats that uh, Paul came up with. You know, four of our players have got a, a twenty-four goals between them. That's what you. If if you're a title, if you're if you're a side with ambitions to win the title, you want your top striker to get twenty-four goals on his own. And they've four of our players have got twenty-four between them. So it's clearly the biggest weakness in the team. I'm going to move the subject along because I know Jonathan mentioned it earlier. J.K. Um, I thought the red card was hilarious, frankly, because I always do when when, a, when the opposition team suffers at the expense of stupid decision making. Um, I'll be really honest with you, mate, and I know I know it was kind of there was a bit of split as to whether it was a red card or not. I didn't think it was a red card. If that had happened to a Chelsea player, I'd have been disappointed if that was a red. I think he, the dilemma I've got with all these decisions they make, they always put them into slow motion, and um, uh, and it and it just if you look at it in slow motion, it looks as if he. Um, kicked the ball and then stamped on him. Um, but if you look, see it in real time, he slipped while he was uh, doing the doing the um, while he was kicking away. Therefore, his foot ended up in the position it had been in when he when he actually played the ball. And it um, it doesn't look like a, a foul in real time. It does in in slow motion. So I attempted to. I think the other thing is it is the reputation, not particularly of, of him as a player, but players generally, as you said it earlier, of wanting to put something on somebody. I think, unfortunately, goes 
before it and goes with them. And it was an ideal situation for it for a player to actually kick somebody and inflict um, uh, pain on them. And so the referees get a bit suspicious that that really is the case. Um, and so uh, w once again, when when it's looked at in slow motion, it looks as if he's he's uh, uh, executing some revenge upon them. Um, who was it? Was it Mount? I can't remember. Was it Mount? Got Chilwell. Chilwell. That's right. On Chilwell. Yeah. Um, and it looked it looked worse, of course, than it was. But I understood ultimately because it was Oliver, wasn't it? It was at the other end. I understood why he asked him to go and look at the screen because um, in slow motion it looked as if he's kicked the ball and had a moment to think about it and planted his foot on his car. You've in real time, he slipped and it hasn't happened. You, you've kind of answered my question, perhaps not in a way you expected to, but actually perfectly, because this is my problem with it. Um, it's one of those occasions where really what the referee's trying to decide is if, if he's deliberately tried to do a player or not. Who makes that decision? Michael Oliver, watching it, hundreds of miles away on a TV screen who is in absolutely no position to judge in real time on the pitch whether he's gone out to do him or not that is another th yet another thing in my opinion that is totally wrong with VAR well I think that if he if they can decide that they need to look at these things in real time you can assess it I mean I I thought it was a foul um all the way up until match of the day and on match of the day, when I saw it in real time, I thought, oh, bloody hell, he slipped. That's why he's ended up with his foot on his calf. Because he did when he went to kick the ball. He, he pivoted forwards. So they're not there. They're being unbelievably forensic when there's no need to be. He should actually be looking. Both of them should have just looked at the real time footage of it. What, what about the other one on Rudiger? Later? Oh, that was definitely he hung his foot in there. And, and that got nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was definitely a foul. In fact, that you could actually say that was serious foul yeah, play. Yeah, you could indeed, indeed. That was deliberate. He deliberately left his foot up yeah. there because you don't you don't hop no. on your foot towards the player. That's absolutely right. But nuts. I think I think by then they'd heard. Well, probably they look at Twitter. Doesn't he looks at Twitter, Oliver, and thought, "Ooh, fucker, fucked up." I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It, but that that was definitely a yellow, at least the other one. But actually, the other one, if the first one was sent off, the second one should have been sent off. It's just beggar's belief, really. I mean, look, going back to the game as a whole. I mean, this, this is the thing. I mean, you know, I, I heard a lot of the radio on on Saturday afterwards. Um, I can't remember what I was doing now. Lord, it just seemed so long ago. But I was thinking, you know all the West Ham supporters bleating about it. Did they lose that game because Balbuena gets sent, got sent off? No, not in, not a cat in hell's chance. So shut the fuck up. Um, anyway, let's get back to what we really want to talk about, which is Chelsea. I mean, there was, I mean, the, it's really interesting, isn't it? Cause I mean, the boys that I have to say, actually, I need to give them a quick shout out. The people on discord, absolutely brilliant. I set up four channels for our, you know, salary moment, Guinness moment, man of the match, that kind of thing. So actually three channels. Um, and they've been brilliant. They've been absolutely brilliant. I don't even have to tell them anymore. Religiously, after the game's finished on, on whenever we play it, they're in there putting in their choices. And of course, what I, we haven't got time really tonight to, 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 uh, to tease it for next week, but we will. I'll go through them uh, this week, next weekend or whatever, and we'll have it in the show next week. But I was just thinking, you know... If I'd had to do the work, it'd have been a really hard one to call on Saturday because I thought there were there were so many good performances throughout the game. Clayton, you know, Kante brilliant again, Mount fantastic, Rude. I mean, the defence. I'm um, Christensen. He suddenly 
seems to have got more physical. I thought As I mean, pe- people were saying about Aspie, which I thought was weird that he played uh, played wing back. To be fair, and his legs have clearly gone, but he bust a bollock all game. His effort was just fantastic. Um, all over the pitch, I thought there were some brilliant performances. But I mean, if you were really pushed into it, Clayton, who stood out for you most? Well, I think that, I mean from what you've just said, and, and and I think this is what we are at the moment more than anything else is that we are a team. Yeah, we are. You know, it's a it's a combination of all of them. They they all make each other good, and I just thought we were solid. We looked fantastic defence funny enough I thought the defence didn't look as assured on Saturday um, but I, I just you know they work so hard and, and the thing that's stunning at the moment is the fact that it's not a question we don't concede goals we don't concede chances I mean absolutely I mean there was that wonderful effort from Jesse Lingard and for God's sake where has he been you know he, he looks such a different player. Um, but no, I, I just think everybody looked very good. I thought Chilwell had a particularly good game. Um, and Mason Mount, again, you know, pushed further forward. He looked fantastic. The, the, the wonderful moment at the end where, God bless him, he tried to get Tammy a goal. His movement to beat the defender against the byline was yeah. absolutely world-class. I mean, it barely got mentioned. And it was just stunning. And and as every week goes past, I, he just gets better and better. And, and we have got a really, we've got such a special talent there. And I, I think that's going under the radar. Yeah. I really do. Well, it's become the norm, hasn't it? I mean, we've stopped talking about how good he is because now we expect him to be 8-9 every week. But every week he's 8-9 out of 10. He doesn't ever have a bad game. I mean, you know, I know the comparisons have always been made, but, you know, what what... If we, if we, I mean, it's easy to say this now because we can look back with complete hindsight. But one of the great things about Frank Lampard was his his level of consistency. He was always, he very rarely, if ever, put in a bad game. And Mount's already doing that at the age that he is. It's quite frightening. Um, Joe, Joe, who, who, you know, who, who particularly impressed for you on Saturday? Well, I don't want to be a copycat here with with Clayton, but I would probably have to go with with Mount again. Yeah. Um, I just think he's, you know, I said even even as somebody who is who has watched these, you know, literally come from kids at Chelsea to to where they are now, I didn't think he would be as as polished as he is this soon in his career. Um, now I've always felt that he he was a special talent, but I think the consistency with which he is showing that on a regular basis is is quite astounding. And I always used to liken him sort of certainly to to Oscar at times when he was at Chelsea and sort of Oscar when he would have these sort of outstanding games and. Everyone was sort of, you know, put their hands on their head thinking, why can't we see this, you know, nine times out of 10? But he's actually doing that on a far more consistent basis and probably doing it at, at kind of a better level as well now. So, you know, this this position that he's playing in this sort of inside forward role, um, you know, not one which I would have, have seen him play quite frequently for, for Chelsea's academy or even at Vitesse or, or Derby. Um, but I think he is, for me, he's, he is the heartbeat of the team. You know, from those forward areas, he leads the pressing of this team. He, you know, I think he's got the most pressures in the Premier League, which is an absolutely insane statistic when you figure that he's also in the like top five in pretty much every creative category as well. His, his ability as an all-round footballer 
I think is partly the reason that he's so underrated. And, you know, maybe because he, he doesn't do, you know, 10,000 step overs or, or do, you know, tricks and, and flicks. Maybe I think people will prefer, you know, other sort of young English talent. But for me, there's a reason why he has become a mainstay in Gareth Southgate's team, why he has, you know, basically taken from being on the bench in Tuchel's first game to probably being the first name on the team sheet. You know, this is a guy who I think every time I watch him play, he executes what the manager wants to do, you know, to an absolute T. You know, he he will, and not only that, his work rate, his work ethic. Um, you know, I think he, the sort of leadership qualities, and I think he's one of the few players that has a little bit of, of edge and a bit of needle about him as well at times. I do kind of like that about him that he's not he's not afraid to to, to mix it with, with senior players and to give a little bit and to, to sort of get into some of those moments. So against West Ham, some of the touches that he had, some of the passing, um, I think as, as as Clayton was saying there, the the the, the kind of footwork to, to getting um, Tammy towards the end of the game and, and you, even you could see his reaction. You know, he was more disappointed than Abraham that he didn't score. I think that kind of shows you the character that, that he has. He wanted him to score because that's his mate. Um, but I just think he's he's just gone from strength to strength this season, and you know, looking looking ahead a little bit, probably will be one of the, one of the pivotal players that we have. You know, on on uh, we playing tomorrow Tuesday, I think. We're, yeah, you know, we one of the, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, one of the you know, it's going to be one of the pivotal guys tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I think just an exceptional performance, and probably the, the other one as well, which I think Chidge alluded to, um, was was probably Christensen, mm. and uh, you know, a, maybe a slight precursor to the Madrid talk. But I wouldn't be surprised if he starts there ahead of Aspilicueta, because mm. I think that. You know, when you look at the the way that he handled the the kind of pace that West Ham have up front, um, you know, he was doing a lot of covering for for Aspie at times as well in, in those wide channels. I think that his his performance and probably just I think generally just showing that in a back three he is an exceptionally good player, um, and he doesn't just you know he's not just kind of um, sort of stuck in that in that middle cent you know middle centre back role where you know it can be a little bit easier at times because you've got so much support around you. I think now, now that he's shown that he can play in one of the wider centre back roles. You know, it makes him, I think, quite a quite a tricky player to drop because he does look um, sort of solid there. He does have pace, and I think Ashton was showing, or Shidja was saying, sorry, that he he's sort of developing a little bit more of a physical edge to his game. You know, he's never he's never going to be Kurt Zuma. He's never going to be John Terry, but if he can get a little bit more of that in his game, um, and and certainly I think there was one challenge in the first half where he cleaned someone out. You know, I was quite impressed with him as well. So probably, yeah, I mean, the, the two academy boys, I think were, were probably the best players on the pitch for us. Yeah. Uh, Chilwell, I thought Chilwell had a really good game. Rudiger was 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 great again. Um, and probably Kante and, and Georgie were, were, were more than more than fine in midfield. So I think, yeah, Clayton's point about it being an all-round team performance, you know, super professional, super, really just did what we needed to do. Um, and yeah, I think the, the whole team had a, had a decent outing. But Joe, would you play um, Christensen, Silver and Rudiger as the, as the three centre-halves then? I would, yeah. And the reason I say that I think is touching a little bit on the Madrid game here is they have so much pace down that left-hand side that I would be slightly concerned with with Aspi. Not that he's, his effort and his application are in question, but I think I saw a little bit against West Ham when he got isolated that the legs, the pace that he had, I think yeah. when he initially came here, yeah, yeah, just isn't yeah, there. Maybe recent, recent Andreas, I mean, maybe we'll, is a little bit more solid. We, we will, we will pick this up because yeah. I've, I've done my little, my little selection thing. I mean, I just, I would just say. Before we get into it uh, in the Madrid part, which is the next part, funnily enough, but uh, I mean, you know, Tuchel always picks Aspie because it's his captain. Yeah. That's the only thing I would 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 say that might 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 go against that. Anyway, J.K. Just wanted to ask um, uh, another. Question. I thought silver actually silver oozes class. He does he uh, oozes it? Oozes it? Oozes it? it like a Brazilian caipirinha? He does because I occasionally think, oh, is he going to give way? Is he going to get some an old person's injury? What's going to happen? Is he going to limp? He's got a yard on his head, mate. 
yeah, it, it's it's joyous actually watching him. And I, every time he comes back, I think, actually, no, you really are a terrific player. Another quick thing about Mount. There's a movement that Mount does that is, I, I seems to be practically all his own, which is the ball comes towards him and he screens it round the player and lets yeah. it go past. And then I think he scored the goal against um, uh, against Porto, the first goal, with that movement. And it gives him all the space, which he's terrific at. He does it so often. I don't know whether, whether I don't think anybody can, can deal with it. He does it so quickly. And Joe, what I wanted to ask you, um, of the, the, the team that he was a member that won the European title when he was, well, this was... 2016 from the from the from the academy um how what's happened to all the other players very good obviously very long question i'm sorry are any of them <laughs> were any of them in the uh in or in the was was abraham part of that team i can't remember tammy tammy was um i think andrew to be fair that the the, 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 the the very very first team that won it was insane it was like nathan ake andreas christensen i think mount i think ruben was playing at the time i mean they, they had oh, right almost a team of like eight or nine players who'd go on to become like full internationals. Yeah. Um, but Mount, Mount's FA Youth Cup team, you know, him, Rhys James, obviously have come all the way through to play for England, to play for Chelsea. Um, probably a couple of others as well. I think the one maybe that's doing pretty well on loan at the moment, you've got the the centre forward, EK Agbo, he's doing well in Belgium at the moment on loan. Um, oh. And a probably, yeah, probably a couple of others, but I think the, the main ones who have come through are probably Tammy, Andreas, Mason and, uh, and Rhys. So is this boy any good, the centre forward? Is he uh, um is he somebody to look for for the future? He's yeah. he's an interesting one. I think he's he's your typical Chelsea Academy striker in that I think they often struggle, I think, to adapt a little bit to adult football because they play in such a, a possession dominant team. They're not always doing things, you know, like the pressing and counter pressing and running the channels and having to defend against six foot five people that just want to kick them. Um, more often than not, they're there literally just just to finish chances. So I think he he had a fantastic interview. I think it might have actually been with uh, with Liam. So Liam Toomey, um, talking about how he struggled and, and I think how he felt that his game would translate straight away to the championship. And I think he had a little bit of learning to do. He went to play in the Dutch second division a little while ago, did really well there. And I think this season he's he's playing for a team. They're not particularly great, Circle Bruges. Um, but there are rumours that Monaco and Sampdoria and a few other pretty big teams are in for him this this summer. Um, but he's, he's scoring like one in two in a team that are sort of fourth, fifth from bottom. So doing pretty well in terms of numbers. And I think his... Now his game is, is starting to come together. Maybe not, maybe not Chelsea level, um, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I think he's twenty-two now. If you know he's mid-twenties, he's back playing in the in the Premier League for a decent side. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Cool, uh, good knowledge there, Joe. Thank you for that, um, Clayton. I've got a question here from Kaiser, who's one of the Discord people, uh, who talks about somebody, and actually, it's it's quite pertinent because Joe's in the room too. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, one thing, I mean, we talked about Tammy maybe being a bit of a blind spot for Tuchel. Billy Gilmore seems to be the other one, as I alluded to earlier on. And, and Kaiser says, if Billy has barely got a look in, what chance does Conor Gallagher have, who I hear has had a really good season? Yeah, I find the Billy Gilmore thing quite strange, actually. And and I I thought his non-selection against Brighton was was just... I just didn't get it, to be perfectly honest. Billy's proved last season um, that he he can cut it, and uh, uh, the the draw against Brighton was was obvious for all sorts of reasons. But part of the reason was that, that the guys were tired, and I I just thought the the non inclusion of a couple of players, a couple of fringe players against Brighton. 
was inexcusable. So I'm not actually answering the question. So I don't really know um, what Tommy's problem is with uh, Billy. Uh, as for Gallagher, I don't actually think they're, I, I don't think they're similar at all. I mean, Joe knows more about this than I do, but but Gallagher seems to be more uh, more of a foraging midfielder, more box to box than Billy. Billy, I think, can can sit uh, and dictate the play, uh, whereas um, Gallagher is is more he's the sort of player that we could do with at the moment. I, I don't think he's on on this level, but I think he's more of a cover player. But um, he might have uh, more of an eye for golden cover. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Um, So I don't know. I think a lot will depend on what happens in the summer. I mean, whether Jorginho stays, uh, I mean, Kante's obviously um, getting older and needs to be rested more. So perhaps there is, I think it, it is dependent upon that. Um, I don't know whether Jorginho was actually writing a farewell letter when he basically made his comments about Frank last week, but they were particularly ill-judged. I'm not saying that anything he said wasn't right, yeah, yeah. but it just the timing of it and the, the was just, I don't know. Um, so in answer to your question, I, I think the future of those two guys will very much depend on what happens with the squad. Uh, whether Tommy T's looking at anybody else in Europe at the moment. Um, but Gallagher's obviously proved that he can cut it in the Premier League. He's had a, a good season in a, in a, I would say, an awful side, but on the basis they beat us 5-2. Um, they're obviously not that awful. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, that, that sort of isn't really answering it. But I, I think those are the, the major factors. Mm. Joe, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I have to agree with Clayton. I think Connor is is a you know very very different player to, to Billy in, in a lot of respects. And you know, if if someone was to ask me for sort of a dark horse to coming back from loan next season, I think he might be the one that I'd shout out. Now, the reason I say that is that his game is I think is a lot closer to to a Mason Mount than it is to anyone else in the squad. You know, you have again. I think people forget a little bit with Connor that he was you know he was an academy player of the year here when you know the past couple of those have done pretty well in terms of coming back to the first team. But, you know, excelling at Charlton when he was on loan there, excelling at Swansea, I think he's excelling at West Brom. You know, he's ticking all the boxes that I think you would ask of someone. And I just think he's all-round game. When you look at sort of the energy that he plays at, the pace that he can play at, you know, he's he's super, super aggressive. You know, he puts himself about in a way that I think not not a lot of our midfielders do in terms of those sorts of challenges. As, uh, as Clayton alluded to, I think, you know, he's got he's got an eye for a goal. He's got an eye for a pass. I just think he's he's an exceptionally well-rounded player. And I think what he's shown is that as you want from academy player on loan, every time you challenge them with a slightly different level and asking him to do more and asking him to play different roles, he's always gone on to become a player that, you know, if you look at West Brom fan forums or Swansea or Charlton, like he's one of the players that they always start talking about and start saying, okay, he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet. You know, because you're, you're playing well for West Brom, obviously doesn't necessarily translate to you playing for Chelsea. But I do think Gallagher has shown for me, certainly even when you, you look at him playing for the England age group sides, he always kind of plays to the level that he's he's in in terms of the team. So I think, you know, probably more so than Billy, maybe because he's got that physical edge and he's got a little, little bit more about him in terms of ability to play as a, as a sort of a, a kind of a double six um, or even one of these kind of Mason Mount sort of, uh, you know, inside forward roles. I do think he's got a little bit of a shot. In terms of Billy, I, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Um, you know, if there are physical limitations to his game, then, you know, you can, you can make the argument that, we have certainly in, in Jorginho, and if you're looking at just pure pace, you know, Kovacic, we've got players that have physical limitations who play weekly. 
Um, there must be something beyond just the the physical side of things, though, for him to not to not get a chance. Not entirely sure what it is, as I think you know people would have said he's he's already looked the part in a Chelsea in a Chelsea shirt for the first team, and that's not always the the case for academy players who haven't been on loan. You know, to make that step up from being an under twenty three to playing for the first team is actually, I think, a lot bigger than what people kind of imagine. So. Um, but, uh, you know, if we're rotating people and people need rest, I'm still not sure why he's not getting an opportunity. Um, but, you know, as I say, it's it must be one of those things where Tuchel just, does, just doesn't fancy him to the extent that, that Lampard did in the past or, or you know, maybe the, the you know, just the, the fact that it's it's just not his his time at the moment. And, and now in terms of Billy, I mean, he's probably further along than someone like Tino Andrin, but he's another guy who is touted to go out on only January. You know, the, the word was that he would be around the first team and have a few more opportunities and yet, you know, he's, he's been absolutely nowhere. And again, if we're talking about giving people a rest, you know, Brighton game, getting different energy into the team, trying to mix things up a little bit, you know, you've got a six foot three powerhouse here who could add a lot of strength and character and, and pace in, into the midfield area and at least deputise for somebody for 45 minutes or something. But, you know, I think Tuchel likes experience. And I think maybe the experience side of things, certainly when he's, he's we're coming into the, the business end of the season, I think that experience is is maybe what he's he's kind of relying on a bit here. And it could explain why Billy and Tino and maybe a few of the other younger players have, have kind of drifted away from, from selection so far. And, you know, to be fair, that, that, that makes sense. You know, Tuchel is the manager. And talking of Tuchel, just to kind of wrap this part up, um, he's the first Chelsea manager ever to remain unbeaten in his first 10 away matches. He's, that's basically 16 clean sheets in 21 games. He's, uh, we've scored 14 goals, conceded three, clean sheets seven. I mean quite remarkable i think the impact that he's had um yeah. and t- in terms of the the win uh, against west ham uh, we're now 3 points clear of west ham 4 points clear of liverpool 5 points clear of spurs uh, i think the interesting thing is alluding to what i was saying about Tuchel a minute ago we've got the second we're second best in terms of goals conceded uh, only man city who've conceded 24 compared to our 31 are better and yet I think we're something like seventh in terms of goal score, which kind of returns us to the point that we started with. But that aside, uh, Clayton, um, do you feel... I mean, it's a really tricky one, isn't it, when you consider the run-on that we've got. I mean, we, we, we set out a huge importance about beating West Ham in, in terms of getting above them. Do you think that that was a really pivotal win on Saturday, or do you think actually it's just one of many we're going to have to do over the next four weeks I don't think it's pivotal uh, because I I think it was important but I don't think it, it seals anything I mean there, there is I mean having the points on the board is the main thing and it's uncanny how similar this is to last season where the race for top four was a question of who can fuck up the most rather than who's going to basically uh, get the get the job done. Um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, you just look at our next game, which is sandwiched in between two massive games in, in Europe, Fulham at home. I mean, if you watch Fulham play, it's exactly the same as West Ham. Everybody is behind the ball. It's going to be really, really difficult. And we're going to have, you know, unless Tuchel rotates, we're going to have tired players. So... I mean, we. Uh, I mean, so we've got Fulham, we've got Arsenal. Arsenal will obviously turn up for the first time this season because that's what they did the last time we played them. Man City 
who knows? It will depend whether they won the league or not. We've got Villa and Leicester. You know, we've got a difficult running. Um, so it was important, but I wouldn't say it, it settled anything at all. Well, I'd agree entirely with that. JK, final word to you on that? Uh, I'm not convinced Leicester are going to last the course, actually. And um, I think Look, they better They better tonight because I've got them to win 3-1 in the Premier League predictions <laughs> league. Well, other than tonight, then. <laughs> I got spot on with Villa thanks to them scoring a last-minute goal. I was I was euphoric yesterday, but there you go. Anyway, <laughs> we shall see. I mean, you and I have been saying it for weeks, haven't we? We think it's going to go right down to the wire of it, like last season. And of course, the complicating factors are, as Clayton was saying, we've got an FA Cup final and and two semi-final legs in the Champions League in amongst all of this lot. To be fair. When we were absolutely brilliant uh, for that kind of 10-year period, this was happening every season, and invariably they would not let us down. It's going to be really interesting to see, I think, how they will navigate that with a with a much less experienced side. But uh, I have a lot of faith in Tuchel, I really do. As I said earlier on at the beginning of the of the show, I think he, you know his ability to get the you know to get a tune out of them when it counts is becoming very 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 impressive. So. Long may that continue. Right, we're going to have a, a, a break in a minute, but before we do, uh, our weekly uh, advertisement for the wonderful CFC UK. Uh, in fact, the only, well, not the only, but certainly the best Chelsea fanzine going. We actually had, uh, Clay, I don't know if Clayton knows this, but we had Dave on. Hurry up, only a pound last week. I, I read that he was on, I didn't hear. It was, he, 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 it, was, it was like getting a message from God. About an hour before the show, he asked me, "Can I come on the show?" I said, "Dave, I can't refuse you, mate. You know, you are you are God." So he came on, and he was on great form, and he was very good value, and he now knows uh, unequivocally that we do plug the the fanzine every week. So I don't think he believed me, but anyway, you can you can't get it on the match day, as you know, um, but you can get it. Uh, if you you can subscribe, or you can find out how to by going to cfcuk.net. Or even better, just ping Dave an email at cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. If you subscribe to a hard copy, it'll cost you two quid an issue, and that includes first-class uh, first postal delivery. Um, and I believe you can also get it digitally via the Matchday digital app. But uh, there is a new one coming out. I wrote mine uh, late on Saturday night. Um, I, it, it, I, well, I'll just give you a clue as to what it might have been about. It was called Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. Can you guess what it was about? No, no, Elton John. That's right. I wrote a thousand words on Elton John and stuff <laughs> like that. So there you go. What was yours about, Clayton? Uh, mine was about watching football at home. Okay, well, that's a good good topic. Uh, right, the other bit of pluggeroonies that we have to do, of course, is the football prizes, uh, who we've got into bed with recently, and they give out a uh, a wonderful prize every week. And uh, this week's prize is a John Terry signed and custom-framed Chelsea shirt. Uh, now, the uh, the draw itself ends, well, it, it's basically about half eight usually, but it ends uh, on Wednesday, the 28th of April, so this Wednesday at half seven. So get yourself a ticket for £6.45 pence if you want to have a chance of winning a signed John Terry shirt. Now, now my experience tells me that uh, big-ticket items like this tend to sell out quite quickly, so do not delay. Go and get your ticket for the draw from footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Terry. 
And if you want to follow Football Prizes, they are at football underscore prizes. Right, when we come back after our little break, we'll be talking all about the uh, Real Madrid versus Chelsea match. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I, of course, am Stamford Chidge. Im over there is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And we also have the wonderful Mr. Clayton Beerman, the the housewife's the housewife's favourite, and mine. Always lovely to see you here, Clayton. Actually, it's quite funny because uh, we were talking before the break, um, or during the break, actually, about you know uh, we were talking to our other guest actually, which is the lovely and fantastic and incredibly insightful and knowledgeable Mr. Joe Tweeds. Evening, Judge. But we were talking to Joe about uh, lockdown and things and not seeing people for a while. I, I haven't seen any of you lot for over a year. Isn't that I awful? I mean, I'd love to. I mean, I know you went. You had a beer with Tim, didn't you, the other day? No, I had lunch. <laughs> I had. Uh, we had a lunchtime uh, soiree. I think I had coffee and he had tea. All oh, right, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was good. I've seen Tim a couple of times because yeah. um, we sort of live relatively close to each other. But yeah, no, it's. I mean, that was part of the part of the stuff that I wrote in the CFC UK. You know, the sort of sort of the upsides and the downsides of watching football on TV. And obviously, the major downside is is not getting to see anybody, which is is crap. Yeah, it is indeed. Well, I, I've missed you terribly, and I can't wait uh, till we get to see each other with a pint in hand. I fear it might be for a while yet. Anyway, um, more of that in a minute because we're now gonna gonna preview. What I think is arguably, depending on which way you look at it, uh, arguably Chelsea's biggest game for seven years, if you, of course, think that uh, semi-finals of the Champions League against one of the most historic sides of all time is one of the biggest games. You could argue that we've had uh, a European final since then, which is arguably bigger, etc., etc. I happen to think this is massive. And um, for my own little preamble before I, I, I get the boys involved, you know, I've been waiting to... There are some teams that are just so... They have so, so much about them in terms of their history and everything else that it's just you just really want Chelsea to play them. And I've been waiting for Chelsea to play Real Madrid and the Champions League, well, forever, because we never have. So the fact that we're finally playing them... Um, and we can't go is just for me the most tragic tragic thing it's just fucking sod's law that this draw turns out and and we and we can't go and it really pains me the fact that we're not going to be there and then you can heap in hazard and stuff but we'll get to that in a minute but we have played them before competitively um and both of them have been in finals uh one of one of the most interesting finals I think that, or, or more to the point, one of the most curious finals, because of course I was too young to be there. But in '71, we played Real Madrid in the European Cup Winners' Cup final out in Athens, and uh, 
it had to go to a replay. I mean, it's, it's we, we did it to death on the 50 Years of History, one of the early ones we did, which I am going to, by the way, talking of the 50 Years of History, number one, I'm going to splice out all the early ones we did and, and, and re-release them as individual shows. So that's pretty much all of the 70s ones. And uh, once this season is finished, we'll start doing the next batch, which I think we got to about 1990. So we've got uh, uh, quite a long way to go, but we're going to start all those up again. So that should be a giggle. But it was quite a memorable thing. I mean, Jonathan wasn't there. Clayton didn't go. I had mates who were at Athens and, you know, people had to stay and sleep on the on the beach and uh, and, and, and hitchhike back. I had a mate who hitchhiked back. Nobody had any money. They ended up staying in the Players Hotel. They were all getting pissed with the players. It's quite... Somebody needs to write a flaming book about the whole thing. Um, and it'll be me, probably. But anyway, um, do you two have any recollections of the 71 final i mean i know we'll all remember the the super cup in in 98 although that's a bit different isn't it this was a proper proper cup wasn't it the cup winners cup osgood's goal was played a lot i remember that a lot i remember um um john boyle playing um which was um he was a very plucky player and uh he sort of fitted my idea of a of a of a terrific chelsea trier and always got stuck in it's mainly because it was the position that I played, so playing midfield, and um, and the fact that he's such a sweet guy and occasionally goes down to Marco's stall and, and is still about the club. He's lovely. I interviewed him lovely, for the Chelsea lovely special. Man. He's oh, he's a beautiful man. Absolutely Great lovely. And I'm I'm annoys me slightly that he's not considered a you know um, sufficiently of a legend to actually be be an ambassador for the club because he played through you know the the dock and uh, and all of those eras, '67 Cup final. Um, uh, top top, uh, top man. I don't think he played enough for Scotland. I'm not convinced he did actually play very well. I think he played under 23 for them. Um, but um, uh, they're sort of snatched memories that, uh, of watching it. I, I, I think the replay was live, wasn't it, Clayton? Do you remember that? With, um... Yeah, I mean, the, the bizarre thing was that the, the first game was neither on telly nor on I, the radio. That's right. And it wasn't on the radio because it was it was played on the night of one of the home internationals, which for the younger listeners was a tournament that was played between England, uh, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And it was played the weeks after the, the season finished and it was played like on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays and what have you. So England were playing Wales that night at Wembley. And so our game was, you couldn't follow it at all. Absolutely. And I remember somebody hanging around just waiting for the result. Yeah, yeah you're waiting for somebody to say something on the radio. So yeah, yeah. I think we scored relatively early on, but they equalised right at the end. Um, so the first game was a draw. But as Jonathan says, the second game was actually on telly. Friday night, black and white. Kenneth Wilson home. Kenneth Walston home. Yeah. Jumpers for goalposts, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Derek Smethurst was playing, wasn't he? I don't think yeah, so. No. I know been. he played in the semi-final because I saw him score against him. Manchester City at home, but I don't think he played in the final. Maybe. There is, a, by the way, people, that you can get this on DVD, by the way. I've certainly got a copy, so it is available. Um, Joe, um, like me, you won't have remembered anything about the uh, 71 Cup Winners' Cup final, but I would imagine you'd have been more than aware of the Super Cup final in, in 1998, I think. Now, as my memory serves, it was in Monaco, 
and it was 1-0 and Gus Poye scored, didn't Poyer, he? Gus Poye, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, interesting. Ooh. I know my dad and, and a lot of my uncles were actually in the in Athens or in Greece, I should say, for the, for the cup final. I've actually got a, uh, still have a, like an original paper from the day after some memorabilia so i have a bit of a bit of memorabilia from the cup when this cup in 71 but yeah 98 was uh yeah was gus boy and um from memory i think we actually played pretty well in that game from you know again i'm i'm 11 at this point so i don't have a huge uh hugely vivid recollection of it but i, I do remember gus boy scoring i remember us playing pretty well and um yeah it was i think again as, as you say one of those moments where you don't tend to play real madrid every week and without kind of digging too much back into the whole super league narrative but you know that's one of the reasons that some of these fixtures are so special is that they yes. don't happen every you know every five minutes you know i, I can't imagine how i want to say boring but i mean the, the, you know the possibility of playing psg 25 times in a year doesn't exactly excite me to the point that I'd, I'd you know willingly go and pay another 50 quid or whatever for this you know whatever the subscription was going to be so yeah i, I you know recall that recall the game recalled certainly point scoring i think that was sort of the probably the the peak of that kind of late 90s Chelsea side in terms of the quality that we had and the ages that we had but yeah interesting game and I think as you say 20 whatever it's going to be 22 years 21 years until until the next competitive fixture it's quite a long wait and I'm, I'm actually pretty yeah. excited about it so yeah. yeah well me too and I mean uh it's the only time I think we've won the Super Cup um all the other times we've 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 lost, we've been in it three times, I think now. Um, actually, talking of, of of that kind of thing, just to kind of recap, I mean, this is the one, two, three, four, five, six. Hang on, two, four, six. This is the eighth European Cup semi-final that we have been in, which is again for for, for I think for all of us really, particularly Jonathan Clayton and myself, you grew up in a time when we never thought we'd see Chelsea win the FA Cup again. To, to 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 have been in the semi final of the of the premier competition in the world is quite remarkable. But just to recap, we we managed to lose one, two, three, four, five of them. Of course, and we won two, but we lost uh, uh, to Monaco in two thousand and four, Liverpool in two thousand and five, Liverpool in two thousand and seven. We beat them in two thousand and eight. We lost to Barca in two thousand and nine in that dreadful dreadful overbro incident. We beat Barca in two thousand and twelve, and we. We lost quite comprehensively in the end to Atletico Madrid. So uh, we need another W in the column, I think. Um, but it ain't going to be easy. Now, the first thing I want to talk about in terms of the match, of course, is the fact that uh, we will we will be playing uh, definitely big nose big nose snake Courtois, who whatever one thinks of him and his time at well whatever one thinks of his exit at Chelsea, he's a good goalkeeper, no no doubt about that. But it looks very much, J.K., from what uh, Zidane was saying, that Hazard uh, will be fit to play. He apparently uh, had 15 minutes in their La Liga match at the weekend on Saturday. Um, and he looked quite Hazard-esque, apparently. Um, we all love Hazard to pieces. Uh, he's had a dreadful time at Real Madrid. He's either been injured or played out of position. It would be just such Chelsea luck, wouldn't it, that we get peak Eden Hazard back just in time for the semi-final against them. Well, he hasn't been peak Eden for any of his time. No, has he? so he's had That's a terrible probably. time out there. So, um, and in fact, I I watched a couple of games um, when he was playing, just because I wanted to see how he was playing. And uh, Zidane kept him in a very strange um, left wing, almost Sarri-like, um, ordered to play a certain way. 
And I thought, why are you making him play this way when he's possibly one of the best players in the world if you allow him to do his thing? Um, I'm just worried that tomorrow he'll be allowed a, a, a free reign that will um, that will put us on the spot. But having said that, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets completely nullified by whatever. My fear is somebody will foul him and the referee will be very um, uh, keen to give him a yellow card and then it'll lead to a... Not, a not according to uh, Marsa. Apparently, uh, UEFA and Kefrin hate... Real Madrid so much for the European Super League <laughs> that all the referees are going to give decisions against that's, them. That's right, because yeah. he was asked, wasn't he, he by, uh, uh, in, in the presser about that today. And he, uh, said, and he asked that same question to Zidane in their presser as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, Not, what was Zidane's response well, to that? He, he batted it off like Tuchel did. But yeah, I tell yeah. you what, in terms of media, the biggest shithouses in the world are Marsa. I mean, they, they, how, how they have the bare-faced cheek to call themselves a newspaper. They're the official bloody Pravda of Real Madrid. It's disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. Just to bring a bit, Smethurst came on at 73 minutes. And of course, the other Thank thing you. to remember is that John Dempsey scored the second yeah. goal. Yeah. Which of course a is fantastic great. volley. Yeah, exactly. But it's completely out of character. And the other, the other thing to remember, of course, is the great Keith Weller was playing. Yeah. It was one of the great Chelsea players who they were forced to sell. Yeah. to Leicester after the end of the season. Go and listen to our history of Chelsea. Well, You'll I was find about out. To say, yeah. Perfectly segue. Yeah. Fantastic. So Fantastic. um so uh, Joe, I'm gonna ask you next. Um should we be worried by you know, it's kind of there's a there's this kind of like that awful serendipity, isn't it? Kind of whatever the opposite of serendipity is. You know, you have returning players you come and hurt you. Yeah. And I mean I don't think there's any love for Courtois and I have to say quite rightly so, but I, I can't I can't I don't really know anybody who would have a bad word to say about Hazard, but it, frankly, I hope that Rhys James smashes him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been saying this to people all week. You know, as much as I love Hazard, and he's probably probably my favourite player from the tens in in terms of what, what he achieved at Chelsea and just his his overall play style. You know, I would be absolutely jumping for joy if Rhys James sends him into the stands in the first five seconds of the game. I you know I I don't. You know, I don't really want to hold on to sort of emotion and, and sentimentality and all that sort of stuff. But so say if if Reese just just launches into him and bullies him and and you know we, we get away with a bit, then I'd be more than happy. Um, you know, glad that he's he's come back to the club. Um, would have been nice, I think, for him to have had a reception from the fans because I think that would have been quite special. Maybe maybe not quite on the par of, of when Dropper came back with Galatasaray, but uh, I think you know potentially we we would have seen something kind of up there in terms of welcoming him back. I'd love um, to have seen the welcome that Quartar would have got back. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> then it's going to be interesting as well. Um, yeah, you know, he, he's Courtois is an absolutely you know exceptional goalkeeper. Um, the way that he manoeuvred his himself out of Chelsea is something I think probably you know less time we spend talking about the better. But I think Hazard will get a, a pretty decent you know decent reception from players. Obviously, he would have played and, and probably still knows a lot of the guys who are still here. So, um, yeah, but I, I think I, I'm with you, George. I, I'm really hopeful that if, if Reese plays, um, you know, then he gets to to be, play physical with him. And, you know, I think UEFA obviously owe us for saving football. So if we get a few decisions, then, then we're going to have to... Uh, I don't mind banking a few of them in this game. So, yeah. I love it. Well done, Joe. I love it. You know me and my tinfoil hat. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you went there rather than allowing me to do it. Um, let's talk about the team selection then, chaps. Uh, Clayton, I mean, I know you've all seen what I've, what I've put... But I'm 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 going with the following: Mendy, uh, Rudiger, Silva, Aspilicueta, 
Chilwell, Jorginho, Kante, James, Pulisic, Werner, Mount. Uh, now, we talked a little bit earlier, didn't we, Clayton, with, with Joe, who, who thinks that um, that Christensen's a good, um, you know, a good pick ahead of Aspie. I, I have to be honest, and so I, I understand what Joe's saying totally, but I just think that he won't, he, he'll pick his captain. He always does. I think it might be more of a toss-up between Silver and Christensen, but I, I would prefer Silver for his experience. This is a monster, monster game. And I, I think Silver's such a calming presence in that in that back three. I would like to see him there. And I don't think there's any real kind of debate or argument about the rest, apart from possibly Werner starting instead of, of Havertz. He's not going to pick Giroud or, or Tammy. I'm convinced of that. And I think Pulisic on form gets in ahead of, of uh, Ziyech, although, of course, Ziyech could come in too. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of just going to touch on Courtois before I talk about the team. Um, if if I was, <laughs> I'd probably get bottles. But I, I would have stood and applauded him. I don't care. You say he manufactured his way out. Yes, he did. So what? They're all professionals. Um, you know, you can't buy a player, park him in Madrid for three years, and then slag him off for basically wanting to go back to Madrid. Just think, you know, it's, it's, there's a naivety there. Um, I know people will say, well, he got the nod over check, etc. Um, guy's quality. It's a really good goalkeeper, as we basically were yearning for after we had two seasons of Kepa. So, anyway, I've had my say. Hate me if you will. No, no, I think um, you're more than entitled to it. All I will say to that is that I just can't wait for Mason Mount to put one through his legs. Well, I was just about to say, I'm, I'm hoping that he plays, uh, uh, gives us a sort of game that he gave us in his last appearance of the Champions League for us. Um, faster, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Just keep it tight. Keep it tight. Okay. 2 0 down after five minutes. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> um, the manager contributed to that to an extent, I felt. Well, it was, the ball wasn't played through the manager's legs, was it, no, <laughs> to the goal? But there we go. Yeah, well, um, going back to your question, I, th- I think that Silva will start, and I don't think Christensen will start, for the reason that I think that Christensen would, will come on if and when Silva hits a wall, as he will. Um, I mean, he played on Saturday, and I think to play two games within four days is going to be a, a massive ask for him. Um yeah, I don't disagree with the remainder of your team. I've just, I'm just wondering whether there might be a, a Havertz instead of Werner, uh, because I don't know. You know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to to see how we're going to play. I mean, their defence is not their strong point, but they have. I, I think I'm right in saying that that recently they have been quite tight at the back. Now, whether that's because the thug hasn't been playing. I don't know. Um, but they, they, they say that Ramos is back, don't they? Or will be back. And I, I just wholeheartedly say, I mean, you know, COVID, it, it, you, know, you can't compare the, the importance of, of, of what's happened in life and, and just general. But if you just park that for one side, this is just fate sticking two fingers up. Every single year, we dream of playing Real Madrid in the Champions League. Every single year, the, the ties come out and we don't get them in the group stages. Madrid is a wonderful, wonderful city. And I just, I've been to Bernabeu once, which was on my stag weekend, just in case you were interested. 
and stood right at the top I of am. this. What old, happened? Old, what 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 was it? What happens in Madrid and stays in Madrid? Absolutely, fuck all happened. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but we we went to see Real Madrid play Tenerife, and we stood at like right at the top in this this sort of decrepit old stadium, and it was wonderful. And I I would love love to have seen Chelsea play there. But there we go. Um, it's 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 so special. I mean. You know, missing the cup final last year was a killer and a couple of home games I've just thought, oh, God, I wish I was there. But this is just, I think this knocks them all into a cocked hat. Mm. Playing them in Madrid and or at Stamford Bridge, really, really special. Yeah. On the other hand, though, it's a surprise, isn't it, Clayton? I'm sort of, because it's such a surprise that we've got this far, considering we'd written ourselves off so early on. Uh, yeah. Frank was uh, was sacked. Um, that I'm, I'm seeing... I'm sort of accepting the fact that, all right, we're not there, but we're still in a semi-final. I almost feel like we've we've um, forced our way in somehow and shouldn't really be there. Gate crashed. Um, and yeah. but, you, but you know what, Jonathan? It, it, it's such a big gut. This is going to sound so crap and so trite. It doesn't seem like a semi-final of the Champions League. It's, it, no. it's, it's like a standout game. It's like we're playing Real Madrid. It's like, wow. Yeah, but that's all been lost because of COVID and the fact that of course, we're disconnected of course, from it still, totally. I know. I mean, if we if if we were going either or not, even you know, just in a different world, we'd be absolutely just moist with excitement. Mate, I'd have gone. I'd have gone to Madrid. There, yeah, oh yeah, of yeah, course, definitely. There, there, there would have been that whole thing. There would have been thousands of Chelsea fans there, loads without tickets, yeah. etc. I mean, I made the mistake of not going to the new camp in Barcelona, although at the time I didn't have any work. And therefore had no money, and I and I would I would not have made that mistake again this time, you know, because yeah. these are the matches you've got to be at, J.K. Oh, um, completely, completely. But that aside, what do you think of the team? What, what, what looking at well, what? Well, I, I, I think regardless of what team we come up with, it'll be different because <laughs> that's too cool. Isn't it? You have this argument time. with Claire Claire McConnell. Yeah, right? yeah, you, I, did, I did. Can you tell well, us what that's all? Because I caught a little well, bit of that on, on this, Twitter. Um, it's this other app I'm on, Overland and Sea. They'd all. They, I set them up to have a sweepstake. I, I said, and why am I not in this group? Why am I in FI? Uh, no, no, I felt you were enough groups. <laughs> I felt, you know, you went off the other day and did a podcast for somebody else. So, you oh, know, I cheated on you. Fancast. I'm so sorry. So, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not jealous. I was just thinking Chidge is clearly involved in so many other things. He, why does he want to be involved in, in this other one? I'm pulling your leg, the, birthday boy. The, no, I know you are. It's the people I've gone to. Um, I've, I've gone away to uh, Moscow, um, uh, back, uh, not Baku, the, the uh, um, Amsterdam all the finals and semi-finals. The guy is a solicitor who runs... Uh, They're an elite um, group, JK. Yeah, we are quite I'm elite. not worthy of that group. Yeah. No, you are very worthy, Chidge. But, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> in fact, we have spiky, spiky conversations occasionally on them. There are a couple of people, a couple of people who make slightly snidey comments. And I quite, I, I, you know, I, I think you might think this is a bit unfriendly. I think it might be for that, actually. I'm thinking about you, Chidge. You think but, I might um, rise to the bait? Yeah, I think you might, actually. Think, With a few think, fuck-offs. Uh, funnily enough, funnily enough. <laughs> 
can't take me anywhere, JK. You know you'd that. be banned from the group anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but no, Claire, I, I suggested early on and nobody got it right. And then suddenly, I mean, Claire, Claire will be listening to this. Suddenly, um, it looked to me as if Claire had got it right, but I don't think she had. And she said that somebody else had got it right. So when I made the remark on uh, Friday, that well, as yet, everybody's w w very wide of the mark. She came back with, well, actually, I think I was, you know, isn't there somebody who could who could um, refute that? And I can't remember who got anything right. I didn't think it was her. I thought she got it was one away. We're congratulating one away at the moment because we get it wrong every single time. I know. He always throws one surprise. It's always a surprise. Well, particularly Kepper the other day when we yeah. played yeah. two games in a row. We everybody was was uh, spooked. I'd by laugh that. my cock off if he plays him tomorrow, but it ain't happening. No, it's not uh, happening. Joe, um, you you kind of started this ball rolling in 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 part one, uh, thinking that Christensen will play. Um, Christensen as aside, um, do you think I may well be right with my lineup prediction? I was kind of chuckling at JK there because uh, <laughs> the amount of times that I've tried to predict a team under Tuchel this season and and maybe been out by like four players. I mean, normally like you're like one or two out in contentious areas, but you know, I mean, he could start Havertz. I mean, he could he could completely go crazy, and, and Abraham might start. Um, I, I do I do think that he will pick the back three that you've selected. Um, and probably, actually, I'd say probably if, if that back seven, you know, the, the three uh, and then the four in midfield with Mendy, if that isn't the, the starting kind of eight there, then I would be incredibly surprised. Mm -hmm. um, I think Mason Mount is probably absolutely now on to start. So then it's just a question of whether Pulisic and Werner um, start the game. Um, I, I'm curious because depending on, I think, people that, that, that play for Madrid tomorrow, I might be right in saying that they, they might have three of their starting back four out. So Valverde, uh, Mendy, and I think Ramos has also been ruled out, at least for the for the first leg. Um, so you'll have Rafael Varane uh, plus three, basically. So I'm, I'm curious if Tuchel has seen that they will be, I mean, obviously by Madrid standards, their second string defence will still be pretty decent. But, you know, in, in terms of things being relative, whether he'll look at that and actually think that this, this leg could be one where we can make a surprise and, and be a little bit more attack-minded and try to actually go for them because, you know, if it's uh, Marcelo, still a great player, but you know he's 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 not first choice at Madrid anymore. I don't know who their second choice right back will be. I don't know who's going to partner uh, Varane at the back. So, you know, it, it it does feel kind of like an opportunity, although you know it's uh, it is still Real Madrid and you know they have a wonderful midfield and wonderful attack. I'm curious whether his his kind of thought process or the selection of of that front frame is is going to be sort of, I suppose, conducive or, or, yeah, kind of really dependent on, on you know, what Madrid have available because it, it's not going to be their first choice. So I'm thinking maybe you might see a little bit more attack-minded than, than what we've seen previously. I mean, it's going to be intriguing, but I think the, the bottom line is, and I, I hope I'm not going to be served up a, a walloping uh, serving of humble pie uh, come uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow evening, but, you know, if you look at all the Real Madrid teams that we could have played in the past... And I mean, remember that this lot have been winning European Cups for fun recently, let alone in back in history. I mean, they've got how many now? 11, 12? I don't know. But if you look at some of those teams from, from the recent past, I don't, I don't think this is as strong by any stretch of the imagination. No. You know, sure, they've got some great players. I mean, Courtois is a superb goalkeeper. We, we all know that. I think Varane is a superb centre-back. They've got Modric, Isco, Benzema, Asensio, uh, Vinicius, Marcello. Um, you know, some bloke called Eden Hazard, never heard of him. 
Um, and of course, Cruz, who I think is a wonderful player. So they've still got, you know, six, seven, eight pretty good world-class players. So they're no mugs. But I still don't think that they are necessarily the team, you know, of a, of a couple of seasons ago, to be honest, Clayton. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. But um, the statistics are floating around is the fact that they've basically haven't had a great season by their own high standards, yet they're second in the league. They're in the semi-final of the Champions League. Um, they've beaten, they did the double over Barcelona in the Liga. They've beaten uh, Inter Milan. They've beaten them home and away. Uh, they beat Liverpool. Um, and in all of the very important games, this season, they they haven't come up short. So it's all down to experience. And, and, and that this might be the, the, the big thing, is that their team is going to be made up of people who've done it before, yeah. and our team isn't, apart from Silva. Um, and, you know, arguably Dave. So I think that that might be the, the big thing in their favour. Mm, I agree with you there. I think experience really does count at this level. I think the one the one player, I mean, Cruz, as I said, and Modric, we know how good they are, JK. But, you know, Vinicius was the, the huge difference. And, of course, Vinicius, interestingly enough, is the player who's pretty much kept Hazard out from a lot of the season when he's not been injured. But he was the difference in their quarterfinal against Liverpool. So I would imagine he's the main threat. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out how they'll accommodate Hazard if Hazard is supposed to be starting. Or is he perhaps that's just... Um... Guff from, from the uh, bench is, is Dan. He's on the bench. Yeah, yeah. but I he's thought played, he played 15 minutes on Saturday, yeah, so it's he, not going to be won't play play in, is he? Um, I watched them against Liverpool. I thought Liverpool were poor. I didn't actually think that it was uh, it was too. Well, difficult. They gave them the first two goals, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was too difficult to beat Liverpool. I didn't. I'm not looking at them and thinking this is a great Madrid side. They haven't got a wonderful player like uh, Ronaldo. Um, uh, I, I, who, um, who knows? You know, we didn't give them a chance against Atletico. Um, we were, um, we thought we had more of a chance against Porto. We, we didn't really suffer against um, either of those sides. Uh, I can't really see why we won't do well against them. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's Real Madrid, and I think. Well, I wonder whether we're more reacting to the name than and the reputation than than, than what they're going to be like when we play them. But. No, no doubt Tuchel will have something sorted out. I mean, that's what I, I always feel about him. He just, he'll have looked at them and worked out a way of preventing them from playing. So I've got big, big hopes. For high tonight. hopes. I've got high hopes. High in the pie. High in, uh, and I'm sorry, if every time you're, oh, I can't remember. We always throw in a show tune, you know me and Jake. Yeah, I know, I should have, but, but I it, Isn't that just going back to what I was saying about experience? Whereas... The players might not have the experience, but Tuchel does. He was in the final Tuchel, last year, for Tuchel, God's sake. Tuchel won't be faced by anything. No, he won't. I mean, what I would say, Joe, a couple of things really in terms of how it may or may not go. I mean, I think first of all, you know, we got to play the game, not the team. You know, you can't be playing, you know, you can't be walking onto that pitch saying, oh, shit, shit my pants, we're playing Real Madrid. We can't be doing that. But what I would say is that the last three times that they've been in the semi-final, uh, of the Champions League, they've gone on to lift the trophy. So, you know, they have pedigree at this level. The other thing I would say about them, mate, is that for all their attacking flair, 
Uh, they do a pretty good job of the defence too. I was just, just picking up a stat here. There we go. They've strung together a 17-game unbeaten run across all competitions. Um, and uh, the rear guard now boasts four consecutive clean sheets. So, you know, they're tough to break down as well, Joe. I, I think it's going to be an intriguing game. I, 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 I really don't know what to expect. You kind of, I always expect a Real Madrid team to attack, particularly when they're at home. But I have a suspicion that this is going to be very cagey tomorrow. Yeah, I think one of the factors that we haven't touched upon is that we're, we're playing at the uh, Alfredo yeah. Stefano Stadium rather than the Bernabeu. The and... Bear Cobham, effectively. Yeah, effectively, yeah. And although, yes, of course, there's no there's no fans in there. I do think as a young player that, you know, even playing someone as, as big and as fast and as historic as the Bernabeu will have a little bit of a mental effect on you. So the fact that we're basically playing, and I think there's like a 6,000 capacity, so it's like playing in sort of a, a really good non-league stadium. I think hopefully that takes a little bit of the edge off that it's, you know, the, it's Madrid and the glamour and, you know, the white shirts and all the mythical stuff that you you see about them. Um so I kind of hope that, that that sort of plays into our favour. And yeah, I mean, I agree. They are, I think they're in form. I think that they're playing well. Um, as you say, both defensively, Karim Benzema is having one of the, the best seasons of his career. Um, but we have, and I, I, I kind of sort of, you know, take this to to JK really, the the confidence and, and the way that we play in these bigger tyres. I have a lot more faith in Chelsea to play well against a, a better opponent than, than we do when we're playing a, you know, a Brighton or a West Brom or whoever it might be, because... I think when when teams try to take the game to us, the way that Tuchel has his team set up means that we're very good at absorbing pressure. We're very good at defending with the ball, retaining the ball. Um, and, you know, I think Madrid will play a slightly high line. They will try and press. And, and, and these are the games really where if you want Timo Werner to turn up and, and make a name for himself, then this is that sort of occasion. Him and, and, and Christian Pulisic, both with their pace on the counter-attack and, and obviously Mason Mount kind of knitting things together. So... I do think with those three, if they play well and if we keep it tight and we, we, we show the kind of you know sort of defensive performances that we have when we've really been 100% at it, then I think we've got a good chance here because I, I just think Madrid will fancy their chances. Um, you know, that they'll, they'll come at us, they'll attack. They have, you know, three very good forwards. They've got a midfield, particularly with Casemiro as the holding player, you know, him and if, if Modric and, and Cruz both start. Probably, probably the best or the most complete midfield in, in world football. Um, so they will fancy themselves, but I just fancy Chelsea that we have that ability to absorb pressure from really good teams. And also that I think the way that Madrid will set up means that we will have some opportunities to counter-attack them. And if we have that opportunity, then we have to be able to, to see Pulisic and Werner in particular use their pace. And, and you know, if they get that that one chance to actually, actually take it, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for us, I think, to win an away leg. You know, it's not going to be easy, but this isn't going to be a full-strength Madrid uh, back four or whatever, whatever it is they're going to play. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quietly, you know, confident. I think if we can hold out first 30 minutes, 40 minutes, um, you know, then I think the, the game will be there for us to, to pinch on the counter at some point. Mm. Well, I, I would agree with that, and that's why I picked Pulisic, Werner and Mount. JK, you, you wanted to come in? Uh, I just wanted to go, uh, just what makes that little old and... Think he'll move that rubber tree plant. Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but he's got, join in, high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got high apples, high in the sky. Hopes almost finished. So anytime you're getting low, instead of letting go, just remember that ant. Whoops, there goes another rubber tree plant. 
Whoops, there it goes. Another, another rubber tree plant. Whoops, there it goes. Another rubber Clayton. Whoops, there it goes. Another rubber tree plant. Well done, I JK. I didn't include you, Joe, because you're too young. <laughs> too bloody sensible, more like. Um, right. Um, it's time for some predictionies. Uh, yeah, JK. Um, I think we'll win 2-0. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll have a pint of whatever you're smoking. Okay, 2-0, JK. Uh, Clayton? Uh... Nil-nil. Nil-nil. Yeah, I think that's not not, not a, a, a ridiculous suggestion by any means. Joe? Uh, I was going to go nil-nil, but for the sake of variety, I'll go 1-1. One, one. Okay. Um, I think it's written in the stars that Thomas Tuchel uh, will be playing PSG in the final. He'll be playing the team that sacked him in December, who he got to the final last year, and he will be playing with the Chelsea uh in uh, in the final this year um and i think in order for us to do that i do think we need to win and i think joe's got it bang on i mean as i said that's why i picked pulisic Werner, and mount myself because i think that they will try i mean you know they're not going to be idiots they're going to be tight and they're not going to let us in for fun but i think we've got more of a chance of opening them up and scoring tomorrow in their home leg than we will at home so i think if we're going to go through we're probably going to need to win tomorrow and I shall go for the wonderful uh, George Graham-esque Tuchel 1-0 to the Chelsea. That's my prediction for tomorrow. Let's hope so. Let's hope we win. That's all I'm saying. But anyway. So 1-0 so to Chelsea. So, in other words, another nice, relaxing oh, evening no, not in front in of the, the telly. Not in the <laughs> least. I think I might have to drink heavily tomorrow. Oh, I think that's the only way I can, I can get through it. Um, I think it'll be one nil for ages, and we'll grab one oh, in the last few minutes. But you know, it's it's yeah, you know, what can one say? I think Joe makes a great point though in in, in the fact that where we're actually playing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think with the sort of yeah training ground, perhaps, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I I don't know if anybody saw it, but earlier on in the season, I saw Shaq did the Nets do them. At uh, at that game uh, at the stadium uh, when they lost in the group, they lost to them in the group stages. And early on in the season, they they didn't look at all impressive. But if they were going to go, out. Who, who knows? Who knows? Indeed, um, I think that what you might find is the entire world of football will be willing us on tomorrow, as I think Real Madrid and their odious president Florentino uh, or Florid uh, Perez, as we should perhaps call him. Uh, our absolutely numero uno number one uh, enemy of football at the moment. Uh, so there you go. And on that, I don't, I don't know if, if. Sorry to interrupt, Chish. I don't know if anybody actually uh, heard any of the press conference earlier on. Well, I think one of the journalists said, "Oh, do you, do you yeah. think that, Andy um, Dillon wasn't it? Do do you think that because Chelsea are one of the you know the the breakaway clubs that the you know that a lot of other English fans won't be." rooting for them i thought no english fans would be rooting well, for I, us, if I'd as, been, yeah. as per normal well yeah if i'd have been too cool i'd have said uh, i would hope no, very much no one no likes us we yeah, don't care exactly i would have said i hope no no english fans would be backing us to, to win because you know that's not how it works matey um listen on on that kind of related point uh, i've got a great question from our beloved mr stick on the discord group uh, and he says 
uh, if we win the Champions League, the FA Cup, and effectively have saved football in one season, as in because we, we, we pulled out first, as it were, uh, is this basically the best Chelsea season ever? JK? Um, no. No. For me, it'll be um, winning the FA Cup in 1970. No, sorry. <laughs> no, in fact, in, later than that, in 1997 because that was um uh that was the uh the first time that um when I talk about 97 yeah when did we win it 97 97 yeah, yeah 97 suddenly i became lost in figures um lost just in because France, mate. yeah You've i was yeah. bonnie tyler i did i went oh hey, i went to uh, the total eclipse of the heart um sorry that wasn't very good um total eclipse anyway what was that I, no, there was that. That was shit as well. Both shit. Thank you. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, for, um, <laughs> um, forgot, forgot your name. Forgot your name for a minute. Everything okay, JK? I don't think he is. <laughs> he's been smoking no, and falling. Someone falling apart, Joe. Falling Where, apart. Some, where's his carer gone? For God's sake! Time to go home, John. Yeah, but ninety-seven because for me that was one of the great seasons because it was the first time we it were was. back on. Yeah. stage to say it was. but 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 that's that's purely of an old old person's view um yes to win the champions league and to win the fa cup and uh, and save football having, uh, yeah and indeed save football but also having been um got rid of our great greatest player as manager to come back from that is just quite uh, quite fantastic yeah it mm. would be having said that though being chelsea will probably win neither and finish fifth so sure. <laughs> clayton what about you mate it's difficult, isn't it? Because uh, I think the 97 Cup final win was stunning. Uh, season itself, I can't actually remember anything about that season. Um, but no, you can't. 2004, 2005, just never thought we'd win the league. So, sorry, stick man. Um, Joe? Yeah, um, I think big shot for 97. I mean, I think people of my generation, we've been quite fortunate in terms of trophies. You know, I was 10 when we won there and it's been pretty plain sailing <laughs> ever since in terms of, of victories. Um, I think the, the the win against Bolton, that was just probably, again, something that I never thought I would see from Chelsea. But I, I find it difficult to overlook uh, 2012, really. I, you know, I think people are talking about that. We did win an FA Cup and the Champions League in that season as well. Um I just think, yeah, the, the culmination of, of sort of that kind of Chelsea group winning uh, winning the European Cup for the first time, the, the manner in which we won it, the the whole journey from, you know, all the all sort of the adversity that we faced along the way. Very, very difficult to top that, although, as I said, I think that the narrative around if if we do make the final and it is PSG, that is such a, a juicy sort of undercurrent to, to this for, for Tuchel. And yeah, as I say, winning the FA Cup as well would be fantastic. But 2012 for me is, is very difficult to top. Well, I would agree with that entirely. I think I think nothing. I think the stars will just never align in quite the fashion they did in 2012. That is, without doubt, the most remarkable season you were ever likely to see in in Chelsea Football Club's history. However, I do I do like Mr. Stick's point. You know, to win the Champions League from the position that we were in, to win the FA Cup would be glorious. To finish fifth with Tottenham or West Ham above us in fourth and therefore disqualify them from the Champions League would be the cherry on the icing on the top of the cake. 
and of course saving football yeah you're quite right i mean what i would say is that it, that would almost qualify as the best season ever apart from for one very fundamental reason which is why it could never be the best season ever in spite of anything that might happen because we're not there exactly it, it doesn't count if we're not there you, I mean, I, I've been reading so much about this all season, actually, and, and particularly around now when we've got these huge matches coming up. And Clayton mentioned it earlier, that there, there, there's a, it, it, it doesn't seem real. There's a bit of a disconnect there. When you go to these matches, you know that history is being made. And then you talk to your mates 10, 15 years afterwards about what happened there, what you did, because you were part of it, because you were there. And in some respects, if we go on to win the Champions League this year and the FA Cup, it will be tragic because we're not there and something will be taken away from that. So, uh, so there you go. Um, Might we be at the FA Cup though? Might 5,000 fans. But that's not enough. I want 50,000 fans. As long as I'm there, I don't care. Oh no, actually, I I don't think I, I, honestly, mate, I'm very much of the all in or none at all brigade. Yeah. You know, I, I just really don't, I, I wasn't really that keen to apply. I didn't in fact apply for a ticket when we played Leeds. And Krasnodar, because I, I just thought, well, I've seen Chelsea play with 5,000 in the stadium. I don't really want to see it again. But they sang their hearts out as if they were 50,000. Yeah, 000. I know. And they did brilliantly. But it's not for me. I go for a full stadium. That's kind of really what the experience I like. Anyway, we could prattle on about this for hours. We're not going to. What I'm going to do instead, we've got a little bit of time. Um, and I know that we were we had nine emails to read out. Some of them are just brilliant, particularly on the European Super League. The reality is if we read all nine out, we'd be here for another hour, and I I just don't have that time. Yeah, However big pot luck on them. Just no, I've got I've got a I've got a better idea because we love Kenroy hugely. And Kenroy actually he 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 sent me a message on Discord yesterday to say if I send an email and will you read it out? And of course I said yes. So what we'll do, JK, we'll read uh, Kenroy's email and then we'll call it a night. Email read, three. You read it then, dude. No, you? no, you read it because he wants you to read it. He wants me to read yeah, it? it's a special request. It's very sweet. And it? also, he, he didn't know who was on tonight and you'll laugh when you read the first line because, of course, he wasn't supposed to be on tonight. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dear gang and Chidge too, and hopefully my favourite guest, Martin. No, no, sorry, I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gang JK. And <laughs> what a wag! What a wag you are! Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't help my waggishness. Um, from Kemroy, dear gang and Chidge too, and hopefully my favourite guest, the housewife's choice, Clayton, is on. No, I've, I've added the housewife's choice. Um, <laughs> my favourite... Sorry, I'll start again. I can't let this lie, sorry. Um, dear gang and Chidge too, and hopefully my favourite guest, Clayton, is on. You would think he is indeed, Cameron. You would think people would let sleeping dogs lie, but some prefer to kick a man while he's down. I'm writing this email in an annoyed voice. Oh, I've got it. So JK should read it in an annoyed voice. Okay. Sure. Just as many people are after Nob Gino's comments. Didn't JK call him a didn't JK call him a chunt the other day? <laughs> Funniest thing I've heard in my six years listening to the fan cast. Can JK do it again? Yeah, probably. No, but, no, no, but no, you no, can't but, do it again. Wait, wait, wait. Probably, but not now. Probably. <laughs> probably. If somebody else plays as badly as that and gives the ball away all the time, I might. I might. The annoying thing is not just his stupid comments, the useless git. Was that me? No, no, that's Jorginho. Oh, it's Jorginho. Good, I thought it was me. For a <laughs> it's the chunt. 
Yeah, it's the chunt bit. Yeah, the useless git is the fact that so many people are saying it's true. Well, the facts say different, don't they? If the job came too soon for Frank, consider this. One, no top-level coach would have taken the job at that point due to the best player leaving, a transfer ban and a squad that needed time. That means the job called for a second-tier or beginner coach. No? Please, people, tell me who available you'd have gotten rather than Frank. Fucking big Sam Allardyce. Even Hiddink wouldn't touch the job. Frank gave up a nice gig at Derby actually came to help out and this is what he gets shit talk from one of the most derided players we've had in the last few years then he complains nobody likes me do that bit in silly voice JK okay then he complains nobody likes me number two the job if the job came too early then how come Frank actually overachieved he got us into the champions league above all expectations with joint points for third place he topped the champions league group this year allowing the least goals scored the three most goals in the premier league last third most goals in the premier league last season had an unbeaten streak about 14 games last season and 17 games this season he reached a cup final, all while integrating a bunch of inexperienced youth players. Up until December 2020, nobody seemed to think it came too soon. Number three, no one seems to be giving the context to the reason he got fired. If Frank was apparently ready to walk after the 1920 season, and they actually hoping to and they actually hoping to fire him, but he hoped to fire him, but he surpassed expectations. That should show that internal politics was the real problem. People like Marina, who bought useless Kepper for 70 million and couldn't stand to see him on the bench. Number four, if the job came too soon for him, then here's a list of managers that had not managed anywhere near that level before they took a similar type job. Pep Guardiola, Zinedine Zidane, Mikel Arteta, who's still at fucking Arsenal right now as we speak this moment. Gary Monk, I liked his hair. Rude Hullet at fucking Chelsea, who then won the FA Cup. Gianluca Vialli, who won two trophies. Scott Parker. Well, perhaps not Scott Parker. <laughs> so really, so really, for someone who took a job that was really only going to go to someone at his level and then overachieve with a bunch of youth players, how did it come too soon for him? Really, let's hear someone make the case that they should not have hired Frank, but a second-tier manager who would have lasted one season anyways. Moving on now that I've got that out of my system and I'll stop with my angry voice. Here's a question for the panel. Have you ever almost wished that all this success didn't come along and spoil things? <laughs> An idealist view, I know. And obviously JK is disagreeing right now. Funny, funny you should say that. Yes, I, I was about to say no, for fuck's sake, no. But hear me he out. He might call you a chump, Kenroy. Be careful. He might, he, I might, I might. Wasn't there, no, no, wasn't there a time when it was all about the football rather than all the bullshit? There were no glory fans who only cared about trophies. Um, uh, not sure. I don't know where I stand with that. Anyway, while we're criticising the ESL people for being money hungry, some of us do lose sight of what the club is really about and are as trophy hungry as the elite are money hungry. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. That's the point of the game. But listening to 50 Years of Chelsea, you get more of a sense of the club's unspoilt culture. Win or lose, up the blues. Anyways... Nobody really w wants that, but it was just a thought. Chelsea Legends battle is battle. I'm sorry. Chelsea Legends battle is back. Who was a more disappointing transfer, Oscar or Morata? Keep the Discord group flying high. Brilliant. Brilliant, Mail. Brilliant. 
No one did it justice. Fantastic. I think he did. That's why I thought if we could read one out, I wanted it to be that one because I love Camroy anyway. But um, I think it's a really interesting point he makes, and which is you know come to in a in a in a, in a funny old way. That's what we were all protesting about last week. The right the right to be shit the right to lose to crap side i love the irony of the fact that we played out a really dire nil nil against brighton because in a way that's what we were protesting for the right to have games like that, those but i have to say and i'm sure you boys would echo this is that throughout all those really really barren years none of us were thinking oh this is great fun this is what football's all about i love losing to rotherham six nil away i love lo- lo- you know losing getting thumped at home to wimbledon i love this is what football's all about jumpers for goalposts isn't it nice uh, we none of us were thinking that we were thinking this is really shit and uh, you know thank God I'm drunk. <laughs> that was mainly You're driven by the hope that it would be better. Driven by the hope that it would be better. Very very well put. I think the other thing is is that, that there is an awful lot of uh, revisionism, which is of course perfectly natural and nostalgia. And there are there are many things that that we hark back to in those days. Not least of which is being a lot bloody younger. Uh, and 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 the experiences that one enjoyed then, you know, it's like ev- everything changes, and then you look back at it with rose-tinted spectacles. One thing I don't miss though is is it being a bit like Beirut on a Saturday, and and shitting my pants frequently, and that was with our own fans, let alone the horrendous away fans we used to encounter, or or even in their own home grounds. But you know, I think I think it's the it's the per the privilege of the old that we look back. At the past, very fondly and misty-eyed and rose-tinted spectacles, but I think the reality is very I think different. The players have a lot to do with that as well, you know. I think the players who, um, who, we, who we took similarly our hopes with, and some of whom would perform out of their skins for us, and we'd um, we'd appreciate their efforts because uh, I, I remember, in particular, I tend to remember players more than seasons, funnily enough, um, uh, just because of uh, of what they've they've done for the club, their efforts for the club. And those uh, perhaps they have had a glory moment, and it's great. But in the the meantime, they might not have had that. I, th- so I think the, the one thing that is really pertinent to that, and you mentioned that a minute ago, is that when you don't expect success all of the time, like we do now, the 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 joy that you get when you have the unexpected win is is arguably greater. And I I miss that. I miss that kind of feeling. I miss. I miss. I miss being excited about things in a way that I, I wasn't quite I'm, I'm not quite as excited now there's more of an expectation even we suffer I think from that entitlement that you get of supporting a really successful side now uh, and I think there are a lot of other things that have changed in the game that I that I, that I miss you know um, but I think a lot of those are wrapped up in the nostalgia which is what I was saying but I'd wonder if Clayton and Joe have anything to add to that Clayton uh, well I, I think you're 100% Correct. I mean, the, the, the sort of the, the victory against just going back to that 97 Cup final, you know, I don't think having been present um, at the other Cup final victories, any of them has been as exciting or as enjoyable when the final whistle went. But that being said... <laughs> I, I love winning the FA Cup and I still, every time we win it, it it's it's fantastic. But there is no doubt that there is, it's not as great as, as that. It wasn't obviously the first time, it was the first one I was present at and it was sort of 27 years drought of a trophy. Um, 
it's it's very difficult now because we were so shit i mean we i mean people just it's it's difficult to to actually describe how bad we were at i mean we, we were sorry at times not all the time it seemed like it was all the time for a for a very long period of time from the sort of say 72 onwards you know we obviously 10 years. Up, uh, we, had, we had basically yeah. a very fallow i mean apart from eddie mack when he took us back up yeah we had 10 10 we years had, of shit didn't we absolutely yeah and i think you have to have those those things to enjoy what we're enjoying now but you know you you sort of and 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 why not? Let's talk about Spurs losing another cup final yesterday, which obviously, thank you, Manchester City. Um, you know, we, we regularly get to finals. We regularly sort of are in FA Cup finals or League Cup finals or Europa League finals. You know, all these other clubs, all these other clubs would just, what they, what their fans wouldn't give for what we are now in some respects, taking for granted. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when the final whistle went against Manchester City, absolutely ecstatic. Yeah. You know, we were through to another cup final. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm not losing that. I mean, the day I lose that, it's the day I stop watching. No, no. I, I, I totally get that. I think I could perhaps put, put my point across better, and that was in the days that we're all talking about, the only cup or only trophy we ever thought we'd have a chance of winning was the FA Cup we never ever believed we would win the league not once in those years that I think we had a chance no. of winning the league what you, what you did hope though above everything else is that we might we might just win a cup so for example that's what I was saying about the joy was just just outrageous because you felt you had a chance so when you when you beat Liverpool uh, in the cup a couple of times that we did that that was just utterly huge and equally actually the disappointment in losing to Spurs in that semi-final to losing to Palace in the semi-final I think or a quarter-final wasn't it uh, losing to Sunderland in the FA Cup and the Mill Cup and Sheffield Wednesday I think you know all of those kind of defeats hurt even more because it it, 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 it totally killed the one hope that we had and that was very very different now we compete in every competition that we're we're in, with not just a hope, but almost an expectation that we win it, and that is very different. I'm, I'm going to shut up now because we could do this to death, Joe. By all means, pitch in on that. But what I'm going to ask you more to the point is uh, is Kenroy's last question, which is, what was a more disappointing transfer, Oscar or Morata? Tough one. Um, I mean, I I think I'm quite fortunate in terms of of when I became a Chelsea supporter. Um, like my first real vivid memory of the game is the '94 Cup final. That's like my first real vivid memory <laughs> of the game. Man. So, started off at like a, a getting absolutely smashed four 0 by United, but from then on, it's been uh, it's been pretty decent to be fair. You know, in terms of, of, of I think the worst we've been is like a sixth place of obviously the, the, the weird tenth place season that we finished under under Roman. But uh, you know, in terms of, of consistent success, trophies, you know, just the 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 standard of the club, the standing of the club in Europe, you know, it's been pretty plain sailing. It's it's, it's difficult, I think, for certainly fans probably my age and younger to connect with like the 80s and, and periods in the 70s as well. And maybe certainly, I think that, that kind of plays into a little bit of the entitlement factor that I think myself and younger fans probably have at times when it comes to being like a quote-unquote good side or, or a big team. Um, it's because for so many of us, I mean, my... I suppose my real kind of formative years in terms of being a teenager watching Chelsea has been 
watching this insane, you know, kind of Abramovich period and and all the expectations that come with that. So I can sometimes, I think, understand the, the kind of the divide between people who have experienced, you know, going to to get games in, in League Two and, 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 and being beaten by the likes of Rotherham and stuff like that, that there is probably a slightly different weight of, of uh, affection towards this current period. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of that, that entitlement aspect, yeah, I think that, that's probably something that plagues our generation. But yeah, in the Maratta and Oscar one, it, it's tricky. But I, part of me wants to say Oscar because I thought Oscar was going to be the next Kaka at, at some point. You know, you come onto the scene, you score that goal against Juventus, you know, against Andrea Perlo and then Gigi Buffon. I mean, you know, two of the best players in the world at that point in time. And I think he has he had some sort of standout moments in his Chelsea career where he really looked like he could be a potential superstar. But then, as I, I've always said to him, he was a one in ten player. You'd get one absolutely outstanding game or moment of quality, and then you'd get nine very very mediocre ones. Um, Morata, I mean, I was never hugely hugely convinced when we bought him. Um, I think that the disappointment factor comes from the fact that you've you've invested so much money in him, and obviously the, the return. I think he started off pretty well in terms of goals, but. I think it became clear pretty quickly that he was no Diego Costa. Um, and in terms of the replacement aspect, I just didn't think it would work out too well. I think maybe just, yeah, because I, I didn't have huge expectations for Morata to be the guy um, when he came in, or, you know, to sort of be this next sort of figurehead and spearhead of a Chelsea team. I might go with Oscar because I, I did, part of me did think that he was going to be a really special talent. And as I said, although we saw it a handful of times, you know, that, that level of consistency that you would want for him where he did drop a 9 or 10 out of 10 game just didn't happen. Um, and I, I did genuinely, genuinely feel at the time that he was going to be an absolute superstar, but that never quite transpired. And then when you, you kind of add to that sort of equation that we did sell one matter based on the fact that Oscar was starting over him as that sort of defensive number 10, um, that probably compounds it a tiny bit. So I, I would say Oscar just because I think I had high expectations on him. And maybe I had more belief in that he was going to be a bit of a difference maker for Chelsea in the long term. Um, Morata, as I said, I, I wasn't overly sold on him. You know, and the only real angle I think you can throw at him was that he was super expensive. So I would probably go with with Oscar. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree Joe, with that. Can I just ask Joe why he thinks Oscar didn't kick on? Was it down to Mourinho? Possibly, yeah. Um, see, I I always felt that he was. Um, we played a lot of four two three one at that point in time. I always felt that he was going to be a player who was better deeper. And in fact, I can remember that there's a number of games where he was playing as a number 10 and then they dropped him into like one, one of these double six positions. And then he started to really, really control the game. You know, he, he could win a tackle. He had great vision. He could dribble through midfield. He was a great passer. I think he had all the characteristics of a player that could have succeeded playing deeper. But the system that Mourinho wanted to play, he wanted a, almost like a destroyer, like a, like a Makalele type playing at number 10. And I think there was so much onus on Oscar to, to press and to be defensive, to win the tackles, you know, to, to be this aggressor that I don't think that we, that we really got to see enough of his quality on the ball. Because you, you think of some of the goals he scored, it's not just the Juventus ones. He, he scored that ridiculous half volley, you know, over the goal against Shakhtar. The next, I think it was in the Champions League where they, he chipped the keeper, you know, the, the QPR outside of the foot goal. Uh, I, th I think he scored a couple of insane free kicks against Stoke and Palace. And, you know, he really, I think, had the ability but I, I do think certainly that in terms of Mourinho's system, yeah, it, it was effective and it, it was probably, you know, Mourinho's way of playing. But I think he he inhibited uh, Oscar maybe in terms of his development. And, I, you know, as I said, I, I think personally that he he was a 4-3-3 midfielder or he was one of, a, one of the guys to play a bit deeper. Um, but it just seemed to me that because he had the capacity to run and to press, to do that defensive role from number 10, 
that he got pigeonholed in there and, and that was sort of his his legacy at the club. He's, he was never like an out-and-out out number 10 and I, I suppose this was still a time when you could play a number 10 like a Mesut Ozil or somebody who did absolutely nothing off the ball but had loads of quality on it and you could get away with it. I just don't think that maybe he had that sort of attacking output when he played there. But, you know, his defensive game there was incredible and I think his, he did have some very standout moments for us. But I just think it was, a, yeah, like a, not necessarily the position for him and maybe I think Mourinho put too, too much uh, of an onus on him defending from the front rather than letting him be um, a bit more creative and try and show some of his talents elsewhere. Mm. Well, I agree with all of that. Joe, I, I I loved Oscar, and I it was it, yeah. and I think I remember us talking about it during his career, and you know the time that he left that it, it was so disappointing because he looked like he could be su- he could he looked like he could have been a really been a great yeah, yeah he could have been and it it really it really upset me. Maratta, as Brian Justman put absolutely beautifully, if I can find it, yeah, Oscar seemed to care, whereas Maratta just wanted to get off the pitch to go and wash his wife's hair perfectly put Brian uh, on that happy note uh, I'm afraid we have to love and leave you but before we do um, anybody who's followed what's been going on in the last week or so with the European Super League and the uh, and the protests and the and and, and, I, and I, in particular the Chelsea Sports Trust who have been at the forefront of of this uh, will realize that there's never been a more important time to join the Chelsea Supporters Trust uh, membership costs five pounds and as a member you will have a say on important issues such as the European Super League, as we saw this week, ticket prices, kickoff times, and many other issues that are important to supporters. Uh, we make sure your voice is heard by the club. Now, as a member, you get to attend meetings, vote in the elections, and put forward motions at the AGM, and you get a lovely blue Supporters Trust badge. So there you go. And we had a, an extraordinary general meeting on Saturday before the West Ham match, which was... I mean, about I don't know, three hundred people turned up uh, in Zoom, uh, and I mean, something like I had eight. I was asking all the questions on their behalf because you just couldn't have that many people talking. So, I and I was copying them and pasting them into a Word doc. I had eighteen pages of questions. Quite phenomenal. So great traction at the moment. People have really been engaged. Uh, so there you go. If you're not a member, get signed up now. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust dot com is the place to go. Uh, and of course, uh, the other thing, which is of great value, if you're a Chelsea supporter, and it certainly, uh, you know, protects the club from naughty naughtiness and sh- shenanigans. Not that Roman's likely to do that, but you never know what might happen in the future. So um, if you want to own a piece of Chelsea, then you need to get yourself a CPO share. Owning a share means you've got a share of the, of the freehold of the stadium and it protects it from being sold to a property developer or likewise in the future, thus ensuring that football is played at Stamford Bridge, its spiritual home forever. Uh, shares are priced between about 31 quid and a couple of hundred quid, really, depending on what kind of share you get. The cheapest are the just the electric ones. The more expensive ones are framed and signed by the, a player and presented on the pitch. But there's plenty of variety in between uh, a price to suit all, really. So just go to the Chelsea website and search for Chelsea pitch owners. Right, there we go. Now, I'm afraid uh, that we've done really well, actually. It's a good couple of hours, even in, in effectively two parts. Uh, that's what we've got time for, though. Uh, JK, uh, myself, and uh, Alex Churchill, and Sam Incasol from London will return on Friday for the preview show with associated or assorted guests. 
Uh, and uh, that'll be 7 o'clock, of course, live on Mixler on Friday. Uh, we will be looking back at Chelsea's match against Real Madrid. You will not be surprised to hear. And we will be looking ahead to Saturday's match against Fulham. Uh, and, of course, uh, next Tuesday, so definitely a case of see you next Tuesday, JK and I will be joined by Dean Mears and Adam Newson from London to look back at the Fulham match and, of course, ahead to Chelsea's Champions League semi-final second leg against Real Madrid. Uh, and, of course, do check out Dean Mears's, uh Went to Mo King's Meadow podcast on the Chelsea FC women's team. They've got a, a job to do against Bayern, of course, haven't they? Uh, the Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify as well as other podcast distributors. And uh, if you want to help support us and you like what we do, then we would welcome you into our, the bosom of our, or the heart of our bosom or the bosom of our heart, depending which way round you want it, uh, by becoming a Chelsea Fancast patron. Uh, and that uh, helps me pay for all of this. Um, so if you want to do that, and by the way, if you do that, you immediately uh, get to be a member of the Discord group, which is hugely popular. I mean, they're, as with everything the Chelsea fancast ever does, I kind of start this stuff and then everybody else just makes it better. So they're all chatting away to each other at all hours of the day. It's brilliant. Really, really great fun. And I love seeing you all in there. You automatically become a Discord member and you also get a Kerry Dixon mini banner. So if for that alone, it's worth it. But uh, it also helps us out, which is great. Uh, so there you go. That's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast. Now, uh, I apologise profusely for not having the time to read the emails out. Um, Football takes precedence, I'm afraid, and we would be here till half ten, eleven if we were to read them out, and I just can't do that. So uh, we we may stick them in for a, a, a random in off the post when we get a moment. But to do keep sending them in. I do love reading them, even if I don't get them out on air. Uh, ChelseaFanCast at gmail dot com is the place to send them. Uh, but you can also send Discord questions and all the other social media bits. You can get hold of us that way too. Right. You can follow us at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Clayton at Goldie59, and Joe at Joe Tweedy. And don't uh, forget to check the Instagram and Facebook accounts out. That is all we have time for tonight. What I would say finally, chaps, is that all I hope really tomorrow is that we're still in still in the tie. That's the secret for Champions League football, JK, isn't it? You... You know, it's a half time tomorrow, so stay in the game, yeah. Well, if, even if we were two nil up, I'd still be bricking it in the return because they'd have found out about us. Yeah. And, uh, all they need to do is score one. Yeah. So we could be one nil down and then bring it back to the bridge and uh, and do them and yeah. vice versa. So yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's still still plenty of um, uh, plenty of butterflies to be grown within one's stomach. I agree entirely. Um, you know, great to see you, Clayton, as always, my my dear old thing. And and really lovely of you to, to kind of sub in tonight as well. Really appreciate it. My that, pleasure. Mate. Really really enjoyed it. And it's always great to be on with you two and of course with Joe. Mm. Listen to his words. But I mean, you know, just a, a thought. Real Madrid, they're no West Brom. No, no. Didn't didn't you even see West Brom play this season? I mean Exactly. You know. No, I take have you right there. I mean, you know, look, it's eleven men against eleven men at the end of the day, and we're you know we've got a bloody good chance. It'd be amazing. I mean, even though my down being down about it earlier on, to get to another Champions League final by beating Real Madrid, it'd be just fantastic. So let's hope they they do us proud tomorrow, eh, Joe? I mean, you know, final final thought on the Real Madrid game for you? Yeah, echo really what everyone else is saying. Um... You know, I, I'm hoping that we, we've learned from that Bayern tie last year. 
you know, we can't get blown out of the water in the first game and then try some miraculous comeback. I think as long as we're within sort of striking distance, if we if we're in the front or you know, it's it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a special game. I think that'll be the main thing. I think you know, as I say, it's not every day that you get to play someone like Real Madrid. Um, hoping a lot of the young players take it in their stride. I'm sure they will. Um, and I just yeah, just I just want us to do ourselves justice because I think certainly last season. The occasion got to us, the team that we were playing against, their profile got to us. So I'm just hoping we've learned from that. And, we, and as I think, as you said earlier in the podcast, was very, very uh, important that we play the, the players that were you know, in front of us, not the, the mystique and the yeah. aura that the, that the white shirts have. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And hopefully we, uh, we can come back with a nice result. Me too. I, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on the show at some time. Joe, always a pleasure to speak to you. Really lovely to hear your insight. And uh, and last, but by no means least, the delightful uh, impresario that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd, replete with his show tunes in the fan cast. I thought I'd done my bit. I thought I'd said already. I know. No, 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 no. You, you, you've done your bit on Real Madrid. I'm just saying thank you. It's really lovely oh, to see you on the show. I got confused for a second. I know. Yeah. It's all right. Have another pill, dear. 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil it's going to be. Okay. I know. I know. Great to see you, mate. I'll see you on Friday, as always. Yeah. I'm yeah, already I'm already happy, looking. Happy birthday, JJ. Oh! Happy birthday yeah. to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jonathan. Happy birthday to you for tomorrow. Let's Thank hope Chelsea you. give you a nice big birthday present tomorrow. Does this mean everybody on uh, Mixer will be having another drink? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have decided. <laughs> <laughs> what a great note to end on. Great to see you boys. Lovely to see everybody in Mixler. Always love to see you guys in there. Thank you for listening. See you next Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Yeah, yeah, chills. Yeah. Yeah.